All right, everybody, welcome back to another episode of the Battle Buddy Podcast. Got a great lineup for you tonight. We got Travis Johnson. He is the nonprofit architect, and he has got a heck of a story. I can't wait to hear some of the sound bites from uh, from what his uh, his past is, because this guy has moved fifty times in his life. He's been to five foster homes. He's been to twelve different schools. He's a published author, and this guy is pretty much the guru when it comes to nonprofits. And we're going to talk about nonprofits today. Uh, the challenges, the things that you should look for if you're looking to start a nonprofit or get involved in a nonprofit, and uh, and we'll see where it goes from there. So without further ado, let's play the intro and let's talk to Travis. Welcome to the Battle Buddy Podcast with Keith McKeever. Hey, Travis. Welcome to the show. I'm really glad to finally have you on here and uh, talk about some nonprofit stuff. And hey, Keith. Thanks for having me on. Uh, we we talk pretty frequently, just about uh, just about every week through the Warrior Council, through the Vetrepreneur Tribe, and it's usually about podcasting. So, it, really, <laughs> to to flip the script to talk about the other thing you're really good at talking about, and that's nonprofits, <laughs> right? Uh, which which you are the nonprofit architect, and uh, you've got a lot of a lot of conversations you've had through your podcast and with people over the years, and some of the nonprofits you've been on. So, it'd be really interesting for anybody who's in the nonprofit world or interested about it to tune in and, uh, and see what you've got to say with some of the questions. I was telling you earlier, I think I got a couple of them here. Might throw you for a little bit of a loop. Uh, try, try to stump you a little bit. <laughs> Maybe Let's bring it on, Keith. Let's All bring right. it on, Keith. Let's see what you got. Yeah, we'll do it. I'll try my best. And now you're just putting the pressure on the shoulders. <laughs> oh, yeah. It's so, all presses on you. Yep. So so like I said in the intro, you've moved 50 times. You're on your 50th move. You were, you've lived in foster homes. You had one crazy uh, childhood. You survived um, a murder attempt, and so go ahead and tell us a little bit about your life growing up and and two two that's right two murders attempts um, yeah yeah so go ahead and tell <laughs> us about your life growing up and how you got to where you're at today as a nonprofit architect. Yeah, absolutely. Yeah, you, you covered the intro. You know, thirty six moves, twelve schools, six days, five foster homes, two murder attempts, all before graduating high school at seventeen, and that's just part of living a life when your mother has bipolar type one with psychotic features to include hallucinations, delusions, delusions of grandeur. It makes it really interesting growing up. So every time she needed a treatment, my sister and I would go live with a family member or into a foster home. And every time she got a treatment, we'd go move somewhere else. So depending on how frequently that was, is depending on how many times that we moved. And uh, people are like, oh man, that's a, that's a terrible story. I'm like, well, it, it is and it isn't, right? Because there's so many more people out there that have terrible stories. And it's, it's just, it's not that we're competing, right? It's oh, that sure everyone is. has everyone has their story of whatever it is. You know, you can never discount a bad day. And I'm not here to say like, oh, my life was so terrible and now it's great. And you should do this because of this reason. Everyone's got their own struggle. There's no timeline, right? We're not the same age. We haven't had the same experience. There's just no magical way to do this thing. Oh, yeah. But if you make some good choices... And you do some good things, you can make your life whatever you want it to be. And I think I'm living proof of that. Oh, absolutely. And and knowing your story, mm-hmm. it's no wonder you always have a smile on your face. You have a smile on your face. You're just such a just a happy, chill, uh, fun-loving guy. And it's always a pleasure to talk to you in the Warrior Council. So um, I appreciate that. Thanks a lot. Yeah, well, I mean, I, I owe a lot to you, honestly. Uh, I know I've mentioned it before in the Warrior Council and videos, Zoom chats that we do, but mm-hmm. I owe you a lot for the show. I mean, just 
we have talked so much about podcasts and your advice for just <laughs> doing research on people, pre-show interviews and how to set things up. It's, it's been so valuable. I can't even begin to put it in words. And so I really well, appreciate yeah. it. Yeah, we'll just start right with the commercial. Go to the link below, Nonprofit Art Category. Get your copy of the Ultimate Podcast Guide so you can feel like Keith feels right now. Seriously, <laughs> that guide is gold. If you are a podcaster, you literally need to go to that website, scroll at the bottom, nonprofitarchitect.org, and get a copy. Seriously. I mean, I felt like I was far enough, a little bit farther in the journey for some things, but there was other things that it's just like the light bulb went off. And I'm like, why did I think of doing that? And it's just all right there in the guide. And I'm like, okay, set. Like, click the link and go to the website and do the, do the thing and set this up, set that up, whatever. It's it's easy. It's way too easy. It is is funny you bring it up. I know this wasn't the plan to talk about this right away, but like you've you've got it. A bunch of my friends have got it, people that work counseling. Is people that have had shows longer than I've had my show, like a hundred episodes, two hundred. I haven't even hit eighty episodes published yet. Like. I've had, and two of the guys that we know, I've got way more downloads than they do. And it's, it's weird because like, I didn't expect to have more downloads than them. Like I was a guest on one of their shows before I even thought about starting a podcast. And like, I had no idea that the things that I was doing and the things I had learned and the things I was implementing were like doing so well and they were so well received. And so when I put this thing together, I wasn't sure what to expect. I was like, like, hey, check out this guy. Like, tell me what you think. And just like, I mean, just what you said, you know, thank you so much for the kind words. Uh, is that it just, you know, knock your socks off. And that's, uh, you know, it's really cool to think that something I put together is 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 doing that well for you. So I appreciate the kind words. Yeah. Well, I mean, you don't know what you don't know. And literally yeah. as I'm reading through it and I'm like, man, why didn't I think <laughs> about doing this or think about doing that? Or, yeah. you know, some things like, okay, maybe that doesn't really apply to me or what I want to do, but it's good to have that information still in case I, mm-hmm. in case the mm-hmm podcast evolves into that point or whatever yeah and so it's, yeah. it's seriously anybody who's got a podcast or a, even a vlog i mean it would be useful for that too if you're trying to put mm-hmm. out content on a regular basis on any audio or video format you need to go check it out so um beyond that let's, let's get back to the uh to the nonprofit <laughs> stuff so what prompted you to get into the whole nonprofit space uh well i'll tell you keith i appreciate the question you know i already covered my background i covered, covered my history and there was always someone, some person, some group, some nonprofit, some church willing to help keep us sheltered, clothed, and fed. And when I finally got to that place where I wasn't in scarcity mode, where I wasn't in survival mode, I was kind of was like, well, like I'm in a place now. I kind of feel like this is home in Oklahoma City. I'm like, what do people do? Like, what does people in the community do? I didn't know because I had never been there, right? Everything I had been doing, you're worried about where your meals are coming from and you're worried about the basics. You're not caring about anyone else. Like you don't like you don't you don't care what's going on in the political world. You don't care what the politics yeah, I mean, is running out because you could care less because you're hungry. You know, you're literally you in survival less. mode. Yes, you're you're literally in survival mode, and it's just what can I take care of right now, right immediately in front of me? And it's it's weird because there's almost like there's no future. You're you're not worried about next week. You're not worried about next month. You're not planning for college. You're not working on your career. Or building relationships when you move that much, you're like, what do I need to do to get through my morning routine? How can I get to lunch? How can I make it to the end of the school day? How can I make it to bedtime? And so you don't pick up on those things like 
what do people in the community do? Like I know you talk about with your Realtors Association and uh, the fact that you guys put together Kroger gift cards and you help feed the community, which is fantastic. Like that had never occurred to me, you know, all my time growing up, I was the recipient. My, my, me and my family were the recipient of all these services. Like it didn't occur to me that there's really like these great people out there like strategizing and working together and, and raising money and, and they're dedicated. They really care. They're really passionate about, you know, helping someone like me. And it wasn't until I started to be like, like, Hey, like, I guess when I was just like, Hey, you know, what do people like in the community? Like, what do they do? And you find out things like they serve on boards and they go to town hall meetings and they're in city council and they serve on nonprofits and they volunteer or they're board members and they help to build buildings or rehabilitate a park or clean up things or take care of the homeless or all of these cool things. And I went to like a networking event downtown Oklahoma city. It wasn't uh, like some big formal organization, but it was like a, the fun lunch bunch. And I went down there and uh, I didn't know what to do. Right. I just showed up. I wanted to help. I wanted, I, what, what do you do? Right. If you don't have any skills, talent, ability, you're not prepared. You don't have certifications or degrees. You show up on time with a great attitude. And that'll take you through most everything. So I showed up down there and I met a lady called Miss Patty. She said, I'm Miss Patty. Everyone calls me Miss Patty. I'm like, okay, Miss Patty. And, uh, you know, she was talking about all the great things her daughter had done. She was in something like 40 boards in the community doing all these different crazy things. And I was like, wow, this is so cool. You know, I love to meet her. And it turns out she was raising money for her daughter's memorial. Uh, so, you know, we decided right then and there, we were going to change our giving structure and the things that we were doing to help her build her memorial. And we got that built a couple of years ago, which was really cool to see like my family's name on a plaque and a thing that was built and dedicated. Like, I didn't know that could be me. Like I didn't, you know, and if you guys are listening to this and you don't know who I am and you're like, oh man, this guy's kind of pompous. Like, no, like I really, I really didn't understand. I really didn't know, you know, that's something that could be done. Uh, in my world coming, you know, from trailer parks and foster homes, that's not something you envision for your life. And the guy actually went there to meet was sitting across the table the whole time. You know, he knew everyone in the whole place and he knew who I was because he was expecting to meet me. I didn't know who anybody was. And he, you know, he introduced himself and we, uh, you know, had a couple coffee meetings and some different things. And, you know, before I knew it, uh, I was a published author. I went to another meeting that I didn't have any business being at. And someone was like, oh, hey, Travis, like you're in the you're in the military, right? You're in the Air Force or something? I was like, well, I'm in the Navy. And they're like, yeah, what? Well, same thing. I'm like, well, I guess, okay. <laughs> well, same thing, sure, whatever. Other, other, other branches, it's pretty much, you know. Yeah, you know, like, well, yeah, whatever. You know, we get all the cool toys, you know. Oh, that's true. Yeah, that's definitely true. Uh, well, I guess the Space Force has got some cool stuff now. Okay, well. Really, yeah, you know, whatever. They haven't earned but, their spot yet. They're not on but, basic training yet. <laughs> We know that's not true, but it's still kind of fun to chuckle about. Um, and uh, like, oh, my friend Shannon's putting it together this book, this anthology. It's authored every author, every chapter is by a different veteran talking about their experience and you know, tell whatever story you want to tell. And they're like, yeah, yeah, grab her, grab this email, send, shoot her over a message, see what you think. And, you know, before I walked out of the bowling alley, this was a bowling event with the Chamber of Commerce. Um, I sent this gal an email. And when I got home, she replied like, yeah, we need 3,000 words and actually kind of cutting it close to the deadline. We need it by the end of the week. And I was like, oh, man, the end of the week. How am I going to do that? Like, I had no idea how to do that. But I, what I did know is I already knew my story. I had already been doing some things like this. Podcasts weren't really my thing back then, you know, a couple of years ago, uh, even though they existed. They just weren't in my sphere. But um, 
did that. I got up the next morning, two, two and a half hours. I jammed out my chapter and sent it to her exactly 3000 words because I know how to read directions. And uh, she said, it looks great. And I got published in my first book. And I was like, this is really cool. Like, what is this? She's like, oh, this is our nonprofit. It's called Books by Vets. We help the first responders heal through sharing their story. I'm like, this is really cool. Like, what do you need help with? Can I, you know, be a volunteer? Do you need donors? Do you need board members? And she's like, yes, yes, and yes. We need all of those things. Uh, so she brought me on as a board member. We helped get this thing going. And we helped uh, 50 veterans and first responders get published which was really cool. This is no longer a thing. Like if you go Google books by vets, you maybe find something, but the, the organization is defunct now, but creative, creative literary consultants, which is Shannon's uh, business that she has for, for writing, coaching and things like that. Like they still offer like a veterans discount. So you can still get those services if that's something you're interested in. But, you know, it was so cool to, to, to show up and just be, you know, having a good time. And then all of a sudden I'm a published author and on the board of a nonprofit, just kind of out of nowhere. And that led to being at another nonprofit. You know, we raised half a million bucks. We put on great concerts uh, and had a lot of fun doing it. And I got stationed in Bahrain. And it was like, how am I supposed to keep doing all this cool nonprofit stuff? Yeah, I know. This and fired up a podcast. And it's just been nothing but, you know, having a great time ever since. Having great conversations, meeting great people like you, Keith, and having fun with it. So, Yeah, there's always something extra you can you know something different you can do life yeah. throws you lemons right you make lemonade if you can't do the nonprofit stuff shift focus and do something else but mm-hmm. yeah you said something a little bit ago that just kind of blew my mind because i never really thought about it like that growing up that you never could envision at times you couldn't envision any kind of future you couldn't see anything beyond the meal in front of you or the next hurdle to get past mm-hmm. yeah i i've got to admit i i never felt that way and it's it's kind of hard to imagine life like that i've always kind of had these goals and these expectations and i want to do this and i want to do that and i can i can go do that it's it's within the reach you just got to have the right network and right right this that and the other to to make it happen and um that's got to be an incredibly scary thing to just your sole focus your sole mission in front of you is filling your belly where are you gonna get a shower where are you gonna put your head down to sleep tonight things like that like yeah. A lot of people that that have got to be in that boat right now. Well, I mean, think about why you're doing the show, right? You're, you didn't do a real estate show. You're doing the, the Battle Buddy podcast. And you're talking about things that really matter, right? There's a lot of people out there. Um, look at look at what happened during COVID when we had suicide rates, domestic violence rates, all of these things uh, with huge spikes across the U.S. that no one's really talking about. It's the it's the big secret behind the behind the curtain, right? No one talks to the man behind the curtain. Um, it's not a hard place to get to a little bit of despair, a little bit of shakeup and routine. A lot of people losing their jobs, their, their primary source of income. And all of a sudden the future can look really, really bleak. It can happen in a blink of an eye. And we have uh, like the doctor that we go see, we talk about things, uh, like Lexapro and, and ways to, you know, maybe just balance that out a little bit for yourself. He's like, I, He's like, I prescribe Lexapro like 10, 12 times a day, every day, because of just the amount, the sure amount of people that come in there that just aren't feeling the best. And there's nothing wrong with that. But to know that it's so widespread and it's so uh, prevalent, it, it's it's a little scary, A, 
And B, it's a little crazy because when you when you talk to someone that's in that that predicament, that situation, and you talk to them about the future, right? The things that we talk about, you know, in, in the Warrior Council. And if you're listening to this and you're a veteran entrepreneur and you're not in a Warrior Council, it's fifty bucks a month, and you're just you're just wasting away not getting involved in this thing. I know Steve and Lane would be ecstatic talking about this. Um, I literally got value the first <laughs> like five minutes I was in there. No, no kidding. Yeah, yeah. like first five minutes. It was See, I didn't. I didn't get value right away because of, of what I'm trying to do and in the niche that I'm in. And I had never really been in business before. So I wasn't sure what to ask or what to pick up on. And it wasn't until this past January uh, where I went in and I'm like, you know what? I'm considering hanging this thing up. And this is why. And as soon as I was real with the group, I got all the answers and all the encouragement that I needed to move forward and start making some real cash with this thing. And I had been waiting or hiding or I don't know, whatever it was for a few months in there because I was looking at canceling that too. But if you're willing to go in and be a little bit open and be a little raw and actually share what's going on and talking about your struggles or what you're trying to do next or what you need to get over that next hurdle, if you can do that, there's 50 bucks a month. That's a no brainer. You write it off in your taxes anyway. So who cares? Like it is, it's just too easy. It is too, too easy to get in there and get what you need and get the value moving forward. I mean, we met in there. And you already yep. mentioned that I helped you with the podcast and helped you cover things you would never even thought oh, yeah, to consider definitely. when setting this thing up. So, I mean, it's the, I cheapest. Mean, <laughs> it's the cheapest business coaching, counseling, uh, friend network that you could ever possibly have for 50 bucks a month. Like, it's yeah. just amazing. Yeah. Uh, for the people that don't know, we meet every Thursday morning, huge Zoom chat that everybody in that group is, is able to Tomorrow morning. Tomorrow morning. And, and we'll see you at 10. Absolutely. 10 and central. We, in central. Yes. Good point. Good point. <laughs> I mean, for all those people all over the United States. Yeah. Uh, yeah. Or international. Who knows? Who knows who listens? But oh, yeah. uh, there, there's just a ton of value. We just go just person by person and we just talk about what our goals are. What have we achieved in the last week? What are we doing in the next week? What do we need? Because there's so many people in there in so many industries, insurance, real estate, nonprofits, real estate, uh, mergers and acquisitions. Yeah, mergers, tons and tons of people, yeah. people with products, people with processes, people with, you know, stickers and hats. Like I got G's hat and this sign back here. This is one of the guys in the tribe, uh, Jeff Riley, Incognito Metalworks. Yeah, I mean, just tons and tons and tons of stuff here. Um, I've got four things desk. in my, I've got four <laughs> things in my office right now that right I can now. go to that were made by somebody at five. Five, yeah. That were made by somebody <laughs> in the council. Most of mine is Dude. dishes. I think they're all in the uh, in the kitchen right now. <laughs> I've got a coffee well, cup from Yorka yeah. up there. I've yeah, got I got a coffee cup from Yorka. Yeah. yeah, I got I yeah. got a hat from Mountain Up Cap Company up there that I got in a combat box. So I guess you could yeah. loosely say that's five things there. Uh, yeah, I got I got these from the Cancel for Maintenance podcast that I was on. This was great. Yeah, that's kind of hey, cool. why don't you sell little bonuses? Do I get like a little <laughs> gift bag for being on your show key? <laughs> yeah, I, I, you know what? I don't want to tip the hat, but there, there could, there could be something in the works for my guests. So, <laughs> something, something special and unique, you know. A little something, uh, a little something, something. You know, a little something. There is yeah. a little, yeah. literally, there is something in the works. So perfect. <laughs> um, <laughs> all right, let's gear this this train back on on course here. So, well, well this is this is great. Yeah. We're going off the rails <laughs> like yeah, a crazy well, train. Yeah. It's uh, it's kind of like no. every week in Warrior Council sometimes. I do not own the rights to this song. Sorry. <laughs> Yes, no, neither do I. Let's make that legal statement right now. Um, 
so anybody who's looking to start a nonprofit, what's what's your advice for them to consider before going down that path? Because it may not be for everybody. Yeah, it's not for everybody. Just like, you know, the things I've done in my life are not for everyone. No one's going to be like, you know what, I could I could use a few more murder attempts in my life. Right. Not everything is for everybody. and That's OK. Uh, you, you know, I talk to a lot of people, especially in the veteran community, they have a big heart. They want to help. They want to do good things. And so I like to get people on the right track. And they'll ask me, so I really want to do this. Cool. Who in your area is doing the thing that you want to do? And they're like, well, what do you mean? I was like, so you have something that you want to do. Like, is someone already doing this? Is someone already covering this space? And if they are, great. Can you go help them do it? Because really what, what I hear when someone tells me they want to start a nonprofit is that they want to make an impact. And that may be starting your own organization and they might not be. Because it's a lot easier and a lot quicker, and I'm not trying to deter anyone from starting their own their own show. But if someone's already doing it, and you can show up and help with the fundraising and do the grunt work and this and that, they're like, "Well, you know, I don't want to help with the fundraising, do the grunt work." Then, but you want to start your whole own organization that does just that, and you want to do all of it yourself. Well, oh, I just really want to deliver the program. Cool. Then you can go to someplace like United Way or another organization and build a program off of what they're doing. And just deliver services and not you know, mess around with that admin work and that fundraising stuff and all that other stuff that you're not interested in. Find the thing that you really want to do. Some people are super organized and they love weird things like governance and compliance. And that's what they like to do. So they go around and do those things. There's not a lot of those people. Right? Yeah, those people like to be in the limelight. And they want to be the guy on stage and doing whatever, which is fine. There's nothing wrong with that. But we need people to do admin work and cool stuff like that, too. Maybe people just want to be around people doing good things. And it might be a, a good volunteer coordinator or be a volunteer, you know, just in general. So uh, I got to warn you. I got to warn your guests right now. My wife just pulled into the driveway. So my puppy alarms might start Uh-oh. going off. Yeah. Okay. <laughs> oh, yeah. Super serious. Yeah. Vicious yeah. right until that door opens. And then, sure oh, it's mom. Yay. Exciting. <laughs> Uh, <laughs> we'll see how that goes. They both just scurried out of here without barking. So maybe oh, they're being trained. I don't know. Yeah. Uh, might you, be clicking. yeah, you want to see what that looks like. And then you also want to see, you know, who's going to be on your board and how you're going to raise funds. Right. So you have to build your team. Who do I want? Who, who do I know? And the way I evaluate someone that I, it's in my network, or maybe someone just kind of the fringe of my network, uh, three things, time, talent, and treasure. Do you have the time, talent, and treasure to help us with what we're doing? And some people will have two of the three. Two of the three, perfect. Great board, great board members. They've got time and talent, talent and treasure, t- treasure and time. Fantastic. But if you talk to someone, they're like, uh, and ask them something like, do you have 10 hours a week to, to donate to this, to get into this? And if they cringe and move, that's fine. Maybe they make a great volunteer. Maybe they can make some connections for you and open doors, but they might not make a good board member just yet. And there's nothing wrong with that. Are you going to use them 10 hours a week? Probably not. But if 10 hours, which isn't a lot of time, they kind of cringe at, maybe there's another place for them, right? You want to build your team. You want to strategize. You want to see what is needed in your community. Maybe you have a heart for veterans. Maybe you have a heart for uh, kids aging, aging out of the foster care system. Stuff like that. Uh, I did a great interview with Candace Leozu out of Foster 360. This is a program built under the United Way Mesa, Arizona, right? So she didn't build her own thing, thing, her own program. She built a program under United Way and she went and surveyed the area. She said, I have a huge heart for his aging of the foster care system. Let me see what's out here in the Mesa, Phoenix, Tempe area and see what we've got. 
So she went out, she did a survey, she figured out what was going on. And what she found was there was tons of organizations dedicated to helping children aging out of the foster care system. And she's like, wow, this is really cool. I'd love to still help. You know, what are the gaps? What's being missed? Even though we have all of these organizations, what's being missed? So she found that a lot of these kids were getting treated like they were still in foster care, meaning they were just getting bounced around instead of from home to home. They were getting bounced around from organization to organization. So what Foster 360 did is they created a mentorship uh, navigator program that's going to pair up like if it was me and you, Keith, like, hey, Keith, it's me and you, and I'm going to take you around to the, all these organizations, and I'll be with you the whole way to get the help that you need specifically, and I'll be your your point man and your Obi-Wan and lead you through uh, the swamp here. What do you think? You know, so she found, you know, she found a way to make it work. She created an organization under the United Way, so she didn't have to start her own organization uh, from scratch. She found out what the community really needed in the area that she cared about. And now she's able to deliver services rather quickly and rather directly to make a huge impact. Um, what I see a lot of times in the veteran world is we have kind of, it seems like, and this isn't right for everyone. I'm not describing everyone in the, the veteran space here, but we've got 53,000 veteran nonprofits out there, 53,000. So someone somewhere is doing something that you care about. So you don't necessarily have to start your organization. I understand uh, if there is still a need that you might need to start one, but it seems like they've got this super Superman complex where they have to be the one to save everybody. And every dollar they raise, they think has to go to programs. They can't put anything in there to sustain themselves, the family, the organization. And they give themselves no breaks and no pay. And then also forget everything they learned in the military. Everything you learn in the military is 85 to 95% training. You have to learn how to do the thing you're wanting to do. And they have no time dedicated to learning, no budget for training. They don't even listen to something like a free podcast, like, I don't know, the Nonprofit Architect podcast. Uh, could be a good oh, one. Yeah. <laughs> I heard it's good. Yeah. Where they can go and we give them the actual steps, how to do whatever the thing is, how to put an event together, how to find a board, how to do governance, how to do all these great stuff. And they're not even listening to something like a free podcast that can teach them how to do the things that they don't yet know how to do. And so if that is who you are, it might not be the best idea to start a nonprofit because you're going to get in there and you're going to dedicate your time, energy, effort to it and all your money. And you'll find that because there was no structure behind it, that you don't have a lot of support. Then you're not getting a lot of funds coming in and you just are there wanting to help people and no one's supporting you because there's nothing backing you up. And you're wondering and you get so frustrated. Uh, you know, I just helped a friend of mine close up shop here in the last couple of weeks. And he went on to still doing advocacy work, still doing good things, right? And helping people that he wanted to help. But he had to close the doors of his nonprofit because it just wasn't structured and they didn't have the support they needed to continue operation. Which hurts, but he's still getting to help people. So understanding what it is that you want to do, figuring out what the needs are of the community that you're trying to serve, getting a team together, figure out how you're going to do the fundraising and then what programs are really going to make an impact is where you need to start. And the actual steps of starting are easy. You incorporate, you file for a tax EIN, you form a board and send in bylaws and then they approve it or they don't approve it through the IRS and you get your 5133C status. Like it's not hard it's a little complicated, right? But it's not really that hard to do. 
There's gonna be some legwork into it. Though. There's there's a little legwork in it. Some boring. But you get your paperwork. Yeah, you get your paperwork back. And you're like, I'm a 501c3. You're like, now what? Like <laughs> the, the grant money doesn't just, just fall from the ceiling for you. You then have to go convince everyone around you that you're worthy of them giving their dollar to. Right. It's not like business where you're like, hey, I gave you 10 bucks. You give me this T-shirt. Cool. Cool. It's like, hey, I really like to give that guy over there a T-shirt, but I need your money to do it. What do you say? And they're like, well, uh, I guess maybe uh, which which thinks. And it's a lot of a reason that a lot of nonprofits are struggling. They're going with the 40, 50 year old mentality of how they're going to raise money and deliver services and programs. And they haven't had updates in a long time. And if you want it differently, if you find you're running a nonprofit and you're struggling with your fundraising, that's not my thing, right? The people in my world, they get monthly support. They build their monthly donor base. They create partnerships that put money in their pockets each and every month. So you can stop spending so much time asking for money and more time delivering programs. It's a grind to go ask for money. But it can be. I will say to your, your point earlier, it's, <laughs> it's so much easier. Like if I created my own nonprofit and you already had an established one, I could help you raise $500 way faster and way more efficiently than I could mm-hmm. myself starting from the beginning. Yeah. And those yeah. people who are starting up a nonprofit, congratulations. Once all the paperwork's done, you've just gotten through the easy part. <laughs> the fun <laughs> well, is hard. It, it is hard. And a lot of people don't know this is that just because they're the founder, they, they don't own the nonprofit. As soon as it's done, the founder only matters for the moment of creation. And then the board is responsible for, to the community and the IRS for the execution of the mission. If they said, we don't like you anymore, they can vote you off the island immediately. And there's nothing you can do about it. So even though you're the founder, it may not be your baby for too long, depending on what kind of person you are. It's not like you can build it up and then sell it. That's not how this works. It's not it's not that type of business. It's a nonprofit business instead of a for-profit business. Uh, so some people are surprised to find that out too. But you've done the you've done the work. You've gone through. You've you've you found all those things. You filed your paperwork. Great, good on you. I want to be there to support you either through my services, my my coaching or consulting, or even in my free group or with the podcast teaching you how to do things because I really want to make sure that once you've got this thing rolling, that you're able to deliver services that you want to, because the the person you might help might've been the me 30 years ago that needed that help. That's why I'm really doing this. That's why I'm really in this. And I have, I have some naysayers out there. So I know I must be doing a good job uh, when people, you know, are willing to give their opinions to me. Like, I can't believe you encourage people to not start nonprofits. It's not that, I'm discouraging them from starting nonprofits. I'm encouraging them to take a look at what they're getting into and to make sure that they understand, you know, going in with their eyes open to, to make sure they're starting in the right place. You know, my friend Candace, if she would have started a nonprofit dedicated to foster children aging out of the system in Mesa, Arizona, she might have had some success and she might have had a lot of struggles because she would have started it without finding out what the real need was in the area. And what she did when she went out and and canvassed the area, she ended up talking to everyone else that was helping the same population as her. And because of the way she set it up, she's not competing with these people because she's working together with all of them to make a difference. 
Yeah. There's a, there's a lot of gaps in a lot of those things. And there's, I think there's a lot of opportunities. If you just look, it's just like starting a regular business. You need to do your market yeah. research. You need yeah, to see what's like a regular business. You need to have a unique product and you need to have somebody to purchase that product or service. And mm-hmm. so you got to do your, you got to do your research and see, is this viable? If not, you're just going through all this extra work for nothing. <laughs> just, it, well, yeah, it can time. be. And like the thing about like, let's, let's take a look at, at two different nonprofits right now. Let's take a look at someone that's feeding the homeless and someone that's taking out veterans on camping excursions. Now there's nothing wrong and there's nothing more right or better about either one of those things, but it is really easy for me as a donor to say, I give you a hundred bucks. You feed 30 people. Easy day, right? I can make that connection all day long. That makes sense without a doubt. I can quantify that in my mind. Go for it. Go feed 30 people. Your veteran organization say, hey, you give me a bunch of money. I'm going to take these guys out camping. Give me a hundred bucks. And you're like, wait, what does my hundred bucks go to? And I'm not saying this to discourage people, but it is a much harder sell to show the impact that you're having at something like taking a group of people on an excursion, especially veterans, because people don't want to say they're in any kind of program. My my buddy that we just closed down down shop with here a couple of weeks ago, I was like, why is there no success stories, testimonials, impact stories on your page? Why don't I hear anything about these people that you're helping? And he's like, well, you know, they kind of embarrassed or they don't want their stuff publicized. I'm like, you don't have to. And he's like, well, what do you mean? You could say that we have a Marine Corps veteran on his way through this journey Here's, you know, here's maybe something about him or maybe nothing about him. Maybe it's just a Marine Corps veteran. You know, your money has helped support him in his journey. Thank you so much for your donations. And then later, if they want to come back and tell their story, great. Uh, we've I've had some of his folks on the podcast. And if you go through there, you're going to find who they are. And it's going to be wonderful. But they were not willing to ask for testimonials or impact stories. Well, if you've ever been to a fundraiser, if you ever heard a nonprofit founder talk, no one cares about your mission more than you do. No one, not a single person. They care about the impact you're having. You've got a nonprofit. Great. So does a 1.8 million other entities in America that are nonprofit. Super. What are you doing with your nonprofit? And you get to the impact piece. And as you were talking about your uniqueness, your niche, what makes you different, that unique selling point. Or a unique service that you're providing. What is that thing you makes you different? Oh, well, we feed the homeless, but we do it with uh, clown costumes on. <laughs> oh, that's interesting. Why? That would be we, interesting. We, well, <laughs> you put lasagna in their belly, you put a smile on their face. Who yeah. else can say they're doing that? Whatever the thing is, <laughs> I, I know there's, a, there's, a, there's a story about Keith and, and clowns weird, that I'm not going to share here today. <laughs> But uh, but you can you can do that, right? You can say that. But if you can't say what it is that you're doing, what services you're providing, how you're different, or why we should give money to you as opposed to this other organization over here, then you've got nothing. You literally have nothing because you can't articulate what it is you do, why you do it, what kind of impact you're making, or why you're different than anybody else. So why would you what, – what prompted you to start your organization? Oh, well, I care about this group of people. So do millions of other people. That doesn't tell me why I should give you money. And those people that are like, well, you know, we're going to get grants right away. You're not because grants are given to people that are making an impact that have a plan for the future that are articulating what it is that they're going to do and why they're the best persons to deliver that for you. 
If you can't articulate that, you also won't get awarded grants. So you're not getting donations and you're not getting grants. Well, then what are you doing? You're paying a lot of the stuff out of pocket, which a lot of people do, and that's fine. There's nothing wrong with that. But it leads to the question of sustainability. So if you're doing all these things, and you're putting your heart, energy, soul, effort, everything into this, but there's no payout for you. And I'm not saying, you know, you have to get paid good money to do good things, right? That's not what I'm saying. What I'm saying is it becomes, you just get wore out. I was helping a, a young lady help feed the homeless here in Oklahoma City. And I was like, what's your plan if you get sick? She's like, what do you mean? Like, you're out for five days. What's your plan to feed, continue feeding the homeless people? Oh, uh, well, there isn't a plan. Okay, so we need to make a plan. Oh, yeah. And she said, well, I'm not really comfortable having other people feed them. I was like, well, okay, well, is it about you or is it about feeding them? And she's like, what do you mean? Is it about you, insert your name, and you being the one that does this? Or is it about the organization that you run making this stuff happen? Because there's going to be a time where you're not going to be able to do this. You're going to get a different job. You're going to go to college. You're going to do whatever the thing is. Or you're going to get sick or injured or something else happens, and it's not going to be you feeding. Then what are you going to do? Same thing to my veterans out there. If it's not you taking them on the hunting trip, the fishing trip, the excursion, the hockey game, the whatever the thing is, who else is doing it? Well, I don't really know. My board's not really active. They're not really helping. Why not? Did you get them to sign up and say they're going to dedicate 10 hours a week? Well, no, they're just kind of my buddies. Okay. If they're not so you just, late, they need to be off the board. <laughs> absolutely. That's, right? that's my, so, my unpopular opinion, maybe. <laughs> well, it's, it's my unpopular opinion, too, right? So we get in these situations where, where people are starting up nonprofit organizations, which, again, I think is wonderful and fantastic. But they've done it without the strategic vision or plan. They've done it without a, a really team that's there to back them up. And they're not really sure how to do this stuff. So they have this thing and they're trying to make it work, but they're doing it all on their own. And I, I ask them frequently, I was like, you ever play football or sports or anything growing up? Like, oh, yeah, you know, I played football. Cool. How many people were on the field? Oh, you've got 22. You've got 11 on both sides. Oh, you mean so it's not one against 11? Oh, that would never work. It's like, did you hear what you just said there? Doing it all you on know, your own. You know, my work in one situation, I mean, Patrick Mahomes versus the NFL. <laughs> <laughs> well, he didn't win the Super Bowl this year, right? Oh, you know, a good point. Yeah, I'm a Broncos fan, so good, give a good point there. I'll give you that. The dude's <laughs> well, I mean, anyway. he did it, right? <laughs> Right. You, you've got you got Tom Brady that won this year and he pulled the team together. He's the reason they brought in Gronk. He's the reason they brought in Leonard Fournette. And he's the reason that brought the team in. Tom Brady didn't win the Super Bowl. That's true. It's, it's all team. You, you it's, succeed, it's or the team. team. succeed or fail as a team. That's why, you know, being a solo entrepreneur is so tough. Being a veteran solo entrepreneur is tougher. Being a solo person to run a nonprofit organization is impossibly tough. Because even if you can convince people to give money, and even if you can put some smiles on some faces, food and bellies, you know, help veterans with PTSD, did you file your 990 on time? Or are you getting penalized for each and every day that it's late? Oh, you didn't have a board meeting this year? We're going to revoke your 501c3 status because you didn't do anything for compliance. What's compliance? What's compliance? I don't have time for that. I don't have time to learn about enough. I don't have time. I don't want that for you. I want you to be able to easily crush each and every one of your goals in the nonprofit space to easily take out hundreds and hundreds of vets on uh, excursions, camping trips, fishing trips, hunting trips, go out and shoot the Tommy gun at the gun range, whatever the thing is. But you're going to have to take some time on the back end 
to develop some of these things, to come up with some plans, to create a strategic plan that's going to help you get grant money, to build relationships and partnerships, to get to a place where you can pay yourself so you're not worried about supporting your family while trying to support all these other people. And that's where someone like me as a consultant comes in and you're going to, fun fact, we're going to ask to be paid for our work up front. Yeah, nobody should work for free. <gasps> no one should work for free. No, yeah, I'm, not a, I'm not the, the nonprofit consultant volunteer. Yeah. I'm the nonprofit architect, and architects get paid. Um, a lot of joking out there, a lot of side. I want you to go pursue your dream, pursue your vision in the way that makes the most sense. Sometimes that's volunteering, helping someone else, and sometimes that's starting your own stuff. If you start your own stuff, we want to help you do it right from the start, get all the paperwork done correctly and build your team around you so you can go out there and crush it. That's what we do at the Nonprofit Architect. You definitely have to build a team. You're not yeah. going to do it yourself. Even if you were to succeed in all the paperwork and all, all the boring stuff <laughs> and do all of yourself and do all the fundraising yourself, your growth is going to be capped. You only have so yeah. much time in your day. Yeah. You need a team around you. Only so much time in your day. You can't scale like that without some kind of systems in place, VAs, policies, some procedures, things that are running automatically. You just can't do it. That's just not how life works. Just how it is. And everyone that says, oh, I can do it on my own. Really? Did you grow your own cotton? Did you run it through cotton? Did you weave your own shirt that you're wearing? Did you sew it up together? Or did you manufacture it? You know, and I say that, you know, kind of facetiously and kind of be a pain about it. But look, no, no one's in this together. I didn't make it through my childhood alone. I made it through with tons of encouragement, with my my faith in Christ, with joining the Navy, with meeting my wife. And we're celebrating 20 years here in a couple of months, which is just phenomenal. Our 20-year actual married official anniversary. Thanks. You know, I didn't do this on my own. You know, I didn't learn how to be a good person growing up. I learned how to take care of me and take care of my immediate needs now and when they need to happen immediately. You know, the Navy gave me a lot of structure. The, you know, Jesus wiped away my sins. My wife thinks I look cute, apparently. I don't know. I don't know what she sees in me. But, you know, I had to learn how to be a man in there and take care of my family, take care of other things, things I've never been exposed to. How do I take care of a budget? How do I take care of my household? How do I be a good dad and a good, a good spouse? You know, that's not things I learned growing up. And it's not any dig on anyone in my my life uh, during that time period, but you have to learn who the heck you are, be okay with yourself, and move forward. That doesn't happen overnight. Oh no, it takes everybody a different uh, yeah. different amount of time in life. Some people figure it out early. Some people figure it out a little too late in life. Um, but yeah. yeah, you just you got to have a team because you just don't go through anything alone. There's always somebody there, and that's you know that's the, you the point of my, my podcast here is to let other specifically tonight. Let nonprofits know that they're not alone. There's resources out there where they can learn and they can go get the help or uh, or pay somebody to come in and, and help them get over whatever that hurdle is because they all have hurdles. It's yeah. fundraising, paperwork, it's connections it, in the community. It's everything. Whatever. It's everything. I've got a group of mentors. I've got people that are my peer level that I call every week. I got you know two people I talked to within the last two days that talk about stuff that I'm struggling with and where I'm moving forward and what this looks like. And then I've got uh, the Warrior Council that we do Thursday mornings where me and Keith go in the back room and we talk about how great it is to be a podcaster and all that fun stuff. <laughs> and, uh, you know, what that looks like moving forward. And you've got time for the family. You've got time for everything else. But you have to work on developing those knowledge, skills, abilities, 
relationships, the people, who knows the thing that I need to learn or who can direct me to the resource that I need to be successful because you might have the power within you, but you might not have the know-how and that's okay. There's tons of resources out there. If you're a veteran in need and you're listening to this and you're like, that's great, Travis, but where are services in my area? Go to afteractionnetwork.org and there's a huge list of resources in every area across the U.S. The team there at After Action Network put together a fantastic list of all the veteran resources in the whole stinking country. Go look it up in your area. Go look it up. Go volunteer. Go help someone with a fundraiser. See how hard it is. See if you want that to be your full-time gig. Maybe you do it and you're like, you know what? This ain't for me. Congrats on not wasting 600 bucks filing for your 501c3. Congrats on not wasting hours and hours of time chasing dollars to try to help your cause. You know right up front that it's not for you. Maybe you go and do it and be like, I love putting together events. Well, there you go. Now you found yes. something you're interested in and you can help with. You found Maybe after all that. Oh, yeah. I, I had a friend of mine tell me, he's like, you know what? Go out and raise 20 grand and then give it give it away to an organization and see how you like that. And someone's like, what do you what do you mean? Well, that's what you're going to be doing in your organization. You're going to be raising 20 grand to then spend it on other people. Why don't you just go get a shot? Go try to put together a fundraiser and know that every bit of the proceeds are not going to you or anyone in your organization, but they're going to some other organization. And just to see what it's like. You want to run for office? Go help a, a politician campaign. See what that looks like. See if you're up for that. You might define really quick that you are or are not ready for that. I thought, you know, because I wanted to help. I wanted to be a helper. At one time, I thought about the medical field, uh, nursing, something like something, you know, to help people. I found out, I reminded myself that I have aversion to many smells. And let me tell you that other people's bodily fluids are not something I want to be around ever. I decided real quick before I signed up for nursing school that I knew that I was not going to be the guy changing bedpans, wiping butts, being around someone else's blood. Blood has a smell. That's not for me. That's for a lot of people. The side of blood. The side side of blood. Uh, Yeah. Someone's, someone's energy. Like, Oh, Hey, uh, my friend got in a car wreck. Check out this picture. I'm not interested. That is not me. I'm not that guy. Everyone has their thing. They think it's cool or not cool. I know where I stand on that. And I'm so glad I didn't donate a single dime to an institution for me to learn about anything with nursing or to be a doctor, because I found out right quick that wasn't for me. And that's just how it goes sometimes. Absolutely. That's uh, I guess I'm thinking about blood. Yeah, no, it's, uh, I know we're not alone on that. That's not a good segue, Keith. Yeah, I don't know you. I know you yeah. haven't done many shows, but that's not a good segue. Yeah, no, not a good segue at all. Um, <laughs> yeah, not, not good at all. I, I just, you know, through all that, I just think how grateful I am sometimes to be involved with some of the organizations I am as a volunteer, just the leadership and, mm-hmm. and, and delegation of tasks. I know it's not easy. Yeah. Um, I, you mentioned the, the Park Harris Foundation giving back to food pantries. I'm also uh, heavily involved with the Greater Peoria Honor Flight sending vets to D.C. Mm-hmm. And I have a huge passion for helping with that. I've been helping, I don't know, five, six years, something like that. I lose track of time. Even that is hard to raise funds for sometimes. Yeah. And, and a lot of people know about the Honor Flight organization. And while we don't find a whole lot of World War II guys anymore that, that can go or, or old enough, and, and unfortunately, 
but hopefully, crossing our fingers, we'll be able to make some more flights happen later this year. It's hard to go to places like and set up a tent and just ask people for money for this mission. Even, you know, you put the bucket out, you ask for it, you sell a couple of things, you might sell some things. Some people are pretty cool with the mission. Um, but you have to have the right message, too, when you're talking to those people. Mm-hmm. And yeah. some people, I have heard other volunteers, not to knock them, but they're just, you know, they're volunteers that show up two or three times a year, and we're super grateful for their showing up and at those events and selling T-shirts and tickets or whatever. Um, but I've been fortunate enough to go, I think, six times to D.C. on the flight as a bus captain and actually see everything in, in, in action. And when I can articulate that to somebody and say, hey, we're sending vets to D.C., these World War II vets, this might be the very last trip of their life. This is their last trip. And they get to yeah. go with their other their battle buddies and have a good day and some food and see these memorials built in their honor they've never seen before. Yeah. And we take Korean vets, the, the Forgotten uh, War. We take them and they get to go see their beautiful memorial, which I think is actually probably one of the most beautiful ones in D.C. Mm-hmm. Vietnam Wall. Like Every time I've been, there's, there's always a guy crying. It's super emotional. And it's a chance for the Vietnam guys to really heal. And when I can articulate that to somebody, the pocketbook tends to open. They, they yeah. can see it. Like there's an impact. So you have to show the impact either through stories or statistics or a video. You have to show it in some way. If you're not showing the impact, it ain't going to happen. That pocketbook's not yeah. getting opened up. It's just yeah. not. Yeah. You know, and, and hopefully across my across fingers that most – organizations out there doing the right thing and actually trying to better something or fix a problem, but you have to articulate it. If you don't have numbers to back it up or a story or something, it's hard to do, but in some organizations, you got to get creative to make that happen. Cause it's hard to get press. It's hard to get the news. I'll talk to you sometimes. Yeah. <laughs> you have to evoke emotion. You know, we, we talk about helping honor our veterans and take them on these flights, which evokes a certain kind of emotion, a, a real a deep pride and you know reverence for what they do you have organizations like black lives matter do that do not use pride and reverence as a primary fundraising tool people are getting out of out of hate and anger and wanting to make something right and they're doing it because they have a visceral reaction then you have people that are serving our uh, pet population and you know rescuing animals and you have a whole different emotion that you invoke on right so really you don't have to oh i want people to give out the goodness of their hearts you know, depending on what it is, I don't care if they're happy or angry when they give, but you have to get an emotion. You have to have that story impact them. You know, facts tell, stories sell, and you have to have the stories, the impact stories that are going to get people emotionally involved to want to back your organization in some form or fashion, whether that's monetarily, whether that's giving of their time, talent, or treasure, or whatever that might look like. You have to tell the story in order to make them move. You got to dig deep. You got to reach in there and, and, and get the heart because, mm-hmm. I, you know, like I pick on McDonald's, Ronald McDonald House. We we know they do good things, mm-hmm. but you go through McDonald's and you pay with cash and they got the little thing there. How, I mean, are you likely to drop it in there? Are you not? Or somebody asks you to round up for a tip? Like there's no tugging on the heartstrings. You know, in the back of your mind, that the organization through whatever restaurant or whatever is doing good things. Yeah. You know, they do, you've heard about it, but if they're not tugging on the heartstrings at that moment, they're, they're not reaching, they're not reaching far enough. And I will, I will flat out admit, sometimes I drop some coins in there. Sometimes I don't, you know, yeah. if they were tugging at my heartstrings, if the person in the window said, Hey, this really helps people, 
I've uh, I've had friends and family who've gone through this program and it's changed their lives. Oh, okay. Yeah. <laughs> I'll drop my twenty five cents in there. You know, I'll make, make my little. Yeah, that's that's one of those things, right? The other the other way to do it is to have some kind of benefit for the donor, right? So Folds of Honor Foundation, they'll have auctions where they will auction off like a you know a day golfing trip with John Daly. You know, how much would you pay to support a great organization and also have the great benefit? of golfing with a world-class golfer, right? How would, how would uh, an organization or a business that uh, is interested in, in putting some bucks back in the, you know, they know you, they support you. They don't have the funds to help you, but if you can create a partnership like with our friend Jared Ledbetter at Ember pay and change over your credit card processing for a guaranteed flat rate that already beats Stripe, PayPal and square, to put more money back into your business, into your pocket to help your family. And then from the back end, from the credit card processing side, they get a cut of that money directly to an organization with each and every transaction. Now you're helping the organization, the veteran business, and you're helping whatever business wanted to change over their credit card processing. So everybody wins. There's a tangible benefit to the donor. And they get to put a nice big plaque out or something on their website that says, hey, with each and every purchase, whether you dollar up or not, we're supporting this cause. Well, we did this with the Shine Foundation. We partnered with a junior college in Oklahoma City. And I don't know if you know this, but there is tons of money and tons of transactions, everything in the food court, everything in the student union, everything at the library and the bookstore, you know, a huge line of a thousand kids, each holding $2,000 worth of books each and every semester coming through the line. Oh, every foot, every uh, football ticket sale, every hot dog sold at the, the grandstand, right? Every portion of every transaction we use that one partnership to solidify what we were doing with the fundraising we didn't have any more fundraisers we only had friend raisers you can partner with a, an auto mechanic uh, at a dealership the first year even the smallest dealership they're pumping through a million dollars worth of transactions a year and you get a portion of each and every Easy. transaction that's going to help support you. It's going to put more money in their pocket, help build their business, right? It's going to put money directly into you. Well, you get five, six, 10 of these partnerships. All of a sudden, you're not chasing dollars all over the place. You're not calling people begging to tell them about your story. You walk in and say, hey, if I could save you a couple of bucks on each and every transaction and support a nonprofit at the same time, would you be interested? Of course they're interested. Why wouldn't they be? Of course. So how does somebody... Yeah. How does somebody flip that script and go from little tiny events, $100 here, $50 there, $500 here, to solidifying those connections in the community and getting those corporate donors? What's some you of the have best to, ways to go about doing that? Uh, there's tons of ways. I don't know how long our show is. Are we are we done here in four minutes? Oh, no, no. We, we just, <laughs> most of my shows are usually between an hour, hour and a half. We'll just keep going, man. As long as it's valuable, that's that's all I care about. Uh, well, our good friend Stephen Kuhn has the greatest networking method at all. You take a big map out, you draw a big circle around your place, and you go door to door. And if that's not you know, available in your area, then you're getting in organizations and you're hopping on their Zoom meetings as many as you can get to. And you say, yeah, hey, I'm Travis from the Nonprofit Architect Podcast. You know how most nonprofits spend all their time chasing donations each and every month? Well, our signature program is going to help you say no to more work and yes to more money. Would you be interested? Or you go around and say, hey, I'm Keith. I am a real estate agent here in 
Where are you at? Peoria, Illinois? Illinois yep. Yeah. Yeah. I'm new to the area or I'm getting my business going. Uh, you know, I just don't know my neighbors and shame on me. Tell me about you know, who you are and what you do. You do this thing called the Meet the Neighbors campaign and you don't ask for anything. When you're going out and meeting people, you're not asking for anything other than where you could help and impact them. And if you're brand new to business or brand new to the area, you might not have any answers for them. But the time you meet person number five or person number 10 or person number 20, you're going to be able to answer those questions back at person one, two or three. And all of a sudden, you're the person that cares. You're the person that's trying to help them provide value without expectation, which is something that we teach in the Warrior Council and something I live my life by. All of a sudden, everyone knows who you are and they're talking about you. And there's going to come a time where you're like, hey, you know, I, I didn't know if, if, if you knew about this, but, you know, we're actually working on this big project. Like we have the Nonprofit Architect Ultimate Podcast Guide. And I think that would help solve your problem. Is that something you'd be interested in? Oh, I've just been waiting for the chance to get a hold of you so I can find a way to pay you back. Absolutely. I'm in. Give me this podcast guy. Oh, it's only 27 bucks. How great is that? And I, I know I'm kind of talking about my stuff. And it's a little funny, but no, um, it all ties in. Yeah. To, to it all ties, it all ties in, right? When you walk around and you actually care about the other people around you, nobody cares anymore. Go walk around go walk around the city. How you see these videos on the internet, like the rare person that cares. I'm like, Oh, that's so nice. Someone cares. What you missed is the thousand people that passed that person by not caring, whatever their situation is. So if you're the person that cares, you're the rarity, you're the commodity. And eventually, I think Ziegler said, if you get help, enough people get what they want, you're going to end up getting everything that you want. It's a great way of looking at everything. Just provide as much value as you have, as you can. And, you know, I may not be able to provide that much value to nine people or 99 out of 100 but might hit that 100th person where i could i could or you could or anybody could you got to fix their problem yeah if you can fix their problem then maybe they can fix yours or maybe they know somebody who can you know make connections work so absolutely well like if you come into your hometown most towns tell you where you can find all the people in town that care about anything you know what i'm talking about keith you're talking about uh, chamber of commerce and uh, they've got a sign that says we've got a yeah. chamber of commerce, we've got a yeah. Rotary Club, we've got a Lions Club, we've got a, a Masonic Lodge. They tell you all the great organizations that cared enough to put their emblem on a sign, and you can go meet those people and find out what they need. And then you can, oh, well, you run a nonprofit organization, or like, oh, you're a new. We'd love to have you come talk over lunch and tell everyone about your stuff. Well, now you have a room full of people. Most of them are business owners. Right. And if you're talking about giving them value and changing their credit card processor to help them and you and the processor all in the same swoop. Now you have a captive audience. You know, I'm not just here to talk about my nonprofit today. I'm here to talk about how you put money back in your pocket and it's not going to cost you anything. Would you like to save money on each and every transaction? What do you think? And you get some get some people moving in their chairs because they don't believe you. Because there's so many other crappy people out there that have said the same thing that were full of garbage that they're trying to sift through and understand what the heck and how it can possibly be. Like when I talk about my services and what I do, the immediate response is BS because I don't do it the way that everyone else does it. And they don't understand how that can work. Look at all the people that have been doing the same thing for the last 50, 40, 30, 20 years. And then COVID happened. And they couldn't do their annual gala. 
They couldn't do their car wash or their bake sale or whatever their thing was. And a lot of organizations stopped asking for money. Like somehow their mission no longer mattered, mattered during a pandemic. And they thought it was insensitive to ask. They'll find ways to, to fundraise. You know, the mission can continue. <laughs> well, well, here, here's the deal. There's a lot of people that were that are impacted negatively. There were. There were millions of people that were impacted negatively. And you're not going to get their donations. You're not. You're going to lose the $500 and down donations. But the people that it didn't affect, the people that understand these are hard times, the people that have money, you're going to start increasing those $1,000, $5,000, $10,000, $50,000 donations because they understand that times are tough and they have the means and able to help a little bit more. So you might have lost 10 donors costing you five grand, but you picked up three that all donated five grand a piece because you kept on asking and you reinvigorated the importance of the mission of what you're doing. You found a way to switch to an online event. You found a way to do something differently and word of the year pivot. Yeah. Word of the year pivot. All right. Absolutely. I just picture Ross, you know, trying to move the couch up the stairs like pivot, pivot. <laughs> um, that's all I picture when, when that word comes up. But People found a way to do it differently. This is the time to do something different. This is the time to reach out like to someone like myself and be like, you know what, what I'm doing just isn't working. And although I really don't understand what it is that you do and how you're going to do it differently, I'm interested in learning because here's the deal. I, you know, I interview uh, people. I talk to five or six nonprofits each and every day, which just helps me just build the experience that I need to help you and look at something a little bit differently. How many people do you know have moved 50 times? How many people yeah, that you know have been that many? Right? Or you, you, you learn to look at things so differently, which people generally have a visceral reaction up front. They get that kind of like, oh, I don't understand feeling because it's so easy to do things the way you've always done them. If it ain't broke, don't fix it. Oh, what kind of lazy language is that? If it ain't broke, don't fix it. I'm not saying that it's broke, but we could try something a little bit differently. And we could try something that might work. I got to interview Brady Josephson and Next After, and they do a lot of research showing nonprofits. That they found was that the vast, vast majority don't ever thank a donor for the donation. Vast majority. They also found that people are the most likely to become monthly recurring donors within the first two weeks of first contact. Well, if you have an event and you don't send them anything till the month later, you've already passed that window of asking them for a monthly recurring donation. I don't want your $10,000 donation. I don't. I want you in at a thousand bucks a month because if you could easily donate 10 grand, even easier for you is to put a grand a month on autopilot and never check it again. If you're in there for a year, I've already made two grand more than I did before. And I didn't have to ask you each and every month for that donation. It's coming in automatically. You don't have to ask the next year either or the year you after that. It's just, it's just that. Yeah, you update them and say, hey, thanks so much for your recurring donation. Here's what we've been doing behind the scenes. I know COVID means we can't hang out in some places. We're in the middle of the country, so it's wide open, right? PRE is open. <laughs> uh, yeah, certain things are. Yeah, I'm in Oklahoma City. It's been open for months. I can do literally anything here. Even go to a Thunder game when the snowstorm is going on, apparently, because they saw power. Um, you decide how you feel about that or whatever. Yeah. But uh, <laughs> I'm not much of a basketball fan, but hey, it's, you know, it's, are they... I'm short, wide, and stocky. Like basketball is not my thing, but yeah. it's fun to have something to do and go to. But 
you know, they're not going to be able to see you. So you're going to have to have some other form of communication because you're not getting together in person and getting them involved. Find different ways to get them involved. We had a uh, gal, Angie Francesco from the Squam Lakes Association. That's where they filmed on Golden Pond. I'm pretty sure uh, I've been wrong before. Maybe it's a different movie, but they, uh, they had all of their different volunteers and staff do little different Facebook lives every day, showing different things that were going on still at the lake that were COVID safe and doing different stuff. And like the public access, you know, local news in the area picked up their story and gave them free promo because there was nothing else to talk about. It wasn't crazy. It wasn't high production value. But now they had basically a syndicated show on late night in their area because literally nothing else was happening. Well, that was just a huge draw for the people in the area. You know, we had our friend uh, Nick Valentine that runs Phantom Operation Phantom Support down yep. at Colleen. They got a CBS, a uh, little, little media action there. And they got like $200,000 that came in off that one media appearance. There's ways, there's ways to do it. But like they run, they charge people to be a part of the the food pantry, 20 bucks a month. So everyone in the line, they're not feeling shame that they're there. They're there knowing that they're supporting the person in front of them. And the person in front of them is supporting them and their person, you know, supporting the people behind them. And it's a place to come and gather and be proud of what you're all building together. Because just having a, a nonprofit doesn't mean you're not charging people. Just having a nonprofit doesn't mean there's no money involved. Just having a nonprofit doesn't mean you can't get paid as the CEO, the executive director, or the founder. You know, he does it kind of crazy, you know, $20 yeah. and you get to go there. But the other donations come in, help support the overall mission. So you're still mm-hmm. getting way more value than the 20 that you're putting in. And Absolutely. It's, it's a huge help there. I mean, what he's... His operation is huge. <laughs> it's amazing. To do here. It's, I don't it's, know if a, my interview else. with him has come out yet. Maybe it's coming out in a couple of weeks because I had them all stacked up. I, I did an interview yesterday. Like, when is this thing coming out? I'm looking through my list. I'm like, August. It's coming out in August. I had that many in the. I had that many in the bag ready to go, um, which was nice because I it's just got. I just got done working on my master's degree, but I turned in my thesis yesterday. We'll see how it comes out. I've never failed a paper yet, but you know who knows. Um, but we'll I, oh, I'm sure I will be, but like, that's the only reason that I was able to, to do that. Keep the podcast going is because I had all those interviews done ahead of time. I know we're doing a live show here, um, which makes it kind of hard to get ahead. If something happens, I, I'm actually booked because my shows are every two, every other week on mm-hmm. Wednesday, I'm actually booked up into the f- middle of June. Right. But do you I have got- any of those recorded? Just in case someone no, has to cancel no, well, and change their mind. I've got two pre-recorded. There you go. Got three, actually. Three now. So that's six weeks. That's six weeks up. I will give a teaser. There's a special there is a special pre-recorded release coming out next week, because a week from today <gasps> is my birthday. Oh yeah, it's gonna, it's gonna be a good one. Yeah. You be 29 again? Uh, yeah, exactly. Something like that. <laughs> <laughs> I lost counting after 30. I mean, as of whatever. I don't, my wife and I turned 40 this year. Dun, dun, dun. It's like care. the new 30, right? I mean, like me, anyone that, is, that ascribes some kind of imaginary constraints to their life or some kind of shame to their life because they haven't figured something out by 25 or 30 or 35 or whatever their imaginary number is, like take a break. Like Martha Stewart didn't get big till into our 40s. Uh, uh, Sam Walton from Walmart, Walmart didn't put that together till into his 40s. Colonel Sanders didn't figure out KFC till he was in his 60s. You got time, like slow down. Like, oh yeah, there's. Plenty you don't have to have time. it figured out by Monday. 
Well, Zuckerberg had Facebook figured out in his early twenties. He got so lucky what? and found and found something in, in college. <laughs> but but <laughs> but, but so what? Like that's that's yeah. nothing to do with your path. Anytime you compare, you lose because you're not comparing Absolutely. yourself unless you're watching like Maury and watching all the people on daytime, you know, talk shows. I hope nobody's like, comparing themselves to what's going on on Maury. <laughs> well, people do. People watch that stuff yeah. because it makes yeah. them feel a little bit better. Their lives are not as crappy as what's going on on TV. Good point. Good point. Yeah. Unfortunately, those people are going through some pretty crazy situations on some of those talk shows. I just know or not. I don't know. Being reminded <laughs> of my childhood, so I don't watch that stuff. Yeah, I don't. I don't blame you. <laughs> I don't blame you at all because some yeah. of those, it's like, man, it's hard to wrap my head around what's going on here. Um. So another question here for you: How do you think nonprofits can better engage volunteers? Because I know sometimes it's really hard to get volunteers to to keep coming back or maybe come back and do a little bit more the next time, mm-hmm. a couple extra mm-hmm. hours here, a couple extra hours there. How should, how can they really engage their volunteers? Well, there's a lot of things you can do. And the first thing you can do is you can operate with a little bit of gratitude. Uh, the volunteers show up to do whatever needs to be done with, with really no payout, uh, really no benefit other than their know that they're helping the mission forward. And I've seen it time and again, where, the staff, the executive director, the founder, is kind of nasty to them. Um, so just treating them like regular human beings, like you would, you know, talk about your family, your brother, your sister, your your good friends, like you're like, like you know, hey, I really appreciate you coming out today. That, that really means a lot to me. Oh, you have an idea, something we could do? I'd love to hear it. And then actually listen. Just listening will get you a long way in this world. Actually listening and caring. Oh my goodness. Can you imagine how our world would change if we actually mm. listened and cared? It would be vastly different. That's for darn sure. That's a good yeah. one. Yeah, really taking yeah. an active interest in listening and in engaging in that conversation instead of just dismissing them. Yeah, like when I, I I'm still active duty Navy. You know, when I talk to you know the people that uh, that work for me, like like why someone asked me one time one of the like the fellow uh, junior officers like why are you so engaged with with them? I'm like. Why, why wouldn't I be like, do they, do they not matter? You not care? Like, like, well, you're retiring soon. Like, you know, what's the big deal? Like, why are you so invested? I'm like, look, I'm, I'm here to, to help. Right. Talking to these people, I'm going to find out what gets their motor running. Maybe it's the, maybe it's the Navy. Maybe it's not, maybe it's something else, but my goal is to help them get to their goals. Right. So I listen and I care and I give guidance or show opportunities where I can and say, well, hey, have you looked into this program? This is like right up your alley. This might be the thing that you were looking for. And like, I had no idea. I talked to all these people and none of them have ever suggested that thing. That's so cool. Like, yeah, like, let me know what help you need doing this thing. I'm a big fan of talking to people in the military about whatever they're doing, because you should be given something to the military. You should be given something for your career, you know, to help your family out. And you should be doing something for you every day. And if you're doing that, you're learning the skills you need. You're getting the education, you need, the experience you need to do whatever it is. If you get in a car wreck tomorrow, or God forbid something terrible happens while you're deployed, you know, the military's done with you. And if you never took yeah. the time to develop your education, skills, certifications, your network of people that you know that care about you, uh, even if it's professionally or somewhere in the future, if you haven't done the time to do that, you find yourself in a terrible spot. I've been in the Navy over 20 years. I did financial planning for like 15 of those. I've been doing nonprofit work for four or five years and run the podcast for not even two years yet. And I'm still active duty. People are like, how do you have the time? Well, I don't get home and then just 
you know, drink beer till I go to bed and wake up the next day and do it again. I don't just grind through the weekend, hating my life and then partying on the weekends. Cause that's what's available to me. Like it takes time to, to do and develop these things. And I'm not better than anyone else that's trying to figure it out. And there's definitely people that are way ahead of me in some areas, but like you have to be able to have these things. So when you get out for whenever that is, either you're choosing, not your choosing or something, you know, awful that you have something to do. You get to design what you want your life to look like, but not if you don't take the steps needed to develop the skills, ability, education, and network that you need to succeed. I think I speak for all, all of us who are or were enlisted. We love officers like you, Travis. <laughs> we're, we're, we're all the other, the officers that kind of give you a little bit of grief about that. Let me guess. Well, most of them don't have prior enlisted experience. Well, well, most don't. Well, you're, you're concerned about your career, getting your qualifications you need, and you don't know, right? It's a whole other group of people that you know nothing about unless you take the time to talk to them. So would you stay around and hang around and talk with the guys in the shop, or would you leave with your buddies and go, you know, peel off early, go golfing or go grab a beer or something? I don't know, right? And I'm not speaking on behalf or singling anybody out, and there's nothing wrong with what they're doing, but they might not know how to best impact uh, their enlisted people around. I mean, I wasn't enlisted for 12 years, so I knew what that looked like. I didn't know the officers around me for most of my career. There was a couple, right? And those really stood out to me. And that's, that helped me kind of mold, you know, the, the officer that I wanted to be and how I wanted to interact with people and, you know, care about them and their careers and their families. Um, and it makes a difference. It makes a huge difference. Because I joined in 2000 and it was still the screaming Navy, right? Where you didn't talk to anyone. Like, instead of like, hey, could you go take care of that jet out there? Like, hey, get out there. Why are you in white? You're like, why are we, why are we yelling? Is there like, is your hearing gone? Do you not know how to be a leader? <laughs> like, why are you screaming at me to get this done? Like, I, it didn't make sense to me. And you know, some people are like, oh, whatever. And I was the kind of gentler enlisted staff. Like, look, more and more enlisted people have degrees. They have families. They're not coming in at 17 where they had the choice of jail or the military. They're coming in because they care, because they're capable. They want to help. And they're not idiots. They can do anything you need done. And depending on what era it is, what generations we're talking about, they can do it better than you can. Like, they really can. I'm like, hey, I, I, this thing is kicking my butt. How do I do this? Oh, sir. I know retirement's coming on, but if you just do this and, you know, you let them have their fun or whatever, but like, seriously, like there's so many capable people out there. And this is the same with the nonprofit world too, right? That, that volunteer that you're treating like crap, they might be there volunteering because they're interested in your organization and they run a multi-million dollar media company, but you treat like them like crap because you're like, oh, they're just a volunteer. Well, what did you just do? You completely sever that relationship and someone that was going to come in and possibly revolutionize what you're doing. And you have no idea what kind of knowledge, skills, abilities they have outside of them wearing a volunteer T-shirt for the weekend. You don't know anything about them. And you treat them like dirt for no reason. Same thing in the military. Like I'm a, I'm a, an 03 lieutenant in the Navy, right? People that don't know me or know who I am or my background and uh, depending on the lighting, I don't know if there's good lighting today, you know, I don't look ter too terribly old. I've got, you know, a full head of hair, not picking on Keith at all, but these luscious locks, uh, uh, <laughs> these luscious locks make me look young. 
so I was sitting down in the uh, the AT shop, the avionic technician shop, and uh, my buddy that I had come up in the Navy with, he was the chief in that office now, and I'm the I'm a lieutenant, and I go in for the lunch. And, you know, some of the young bucks, I mean, enlisted guys are kind of giving me a hard time about, oh, you know, you don't know anything about the Navy. You're brand new. And I'm like, okay, I'm going to let this guy talk. Like, I'm going to let this guy say whatever he wants to say. And he started, you know, running his mouth a little bit. And my friend, my chief buddy in the back, heard he like jumped out of the room. He's like, uh, sir, how's everything going out here? I was like, it's going great. Did you, uh, did you want me to handle this? And he's like, no, no, sir. No, I got this taken care of. <laughs> and I left and right when the door shut, I heard my friend, you know, kind of, kind of going ape on him a little bit. Uh, and he told me like, like, I can't believe that guy was talking to you that way. And this and that, I'm like, I'm like, don't worry. I've got the best follow-up for tomorrow. So he's sitting in there and I go back in and the same young guy was in there and he's like, sir, I'm, I'm so sorry. I can't believe you know, I said those things to you. You know, had I known about your experience, I'm like, Oh, so it's okay to just treat other junior officers like dirt then for no reason. And he's like, oh, uh, <laughs> he had no idea what to say. And I was just kind of messing with him a little bit. But, you know, you don't know what people's background is. You don't know where people come from. And someone like me, an unassuming, uh, average looking white guy, you have no idea the things that I've been to if, unless you know me. You see me in a military uniform as a LT, it doesn't look too terribly old. You have no idea the knowledge and experience that I have. And I'm not talking about me, but I'm talking about anybody. We've got, we've got people that were working for me, young enlisted people coming up when I was already commissioned. She joined the Navy after already having a master's in forensic psychology. Like, this isn't it just... It seem like a logical career move, but hey. But everyone's, got, everyone's got their reasons for doing what Absolutely. they do, right? Yeah. Uh, a young air crewman, and, and she came in there, just crushed everything. Everything she did crushed. She went from... Uh, um, and E4 to a chief and E7 for those of you non-Navy types, E4 to, to senior listed and like your six or seven year mark, just crushing life, very professional, but leadership oriented, takes care of everything, wonderful person. Um, but you can't just look at their rank. You can't just look at their volunteer shirt. You can't just look at the new guy in the office and assign a they don't know nothing sticker to them. Yeah. Hey, what do, we, what do you think about doing this for the, the the runoff for this event right here? Oh, what do you know? Well, actually, I've been a civil engineer for 10 years, and this is my bag, and this is exactly what I do. <laughs> you just treated them like they don't matter for no reason. Yeah, you know, that, know what their that, experience is, or they can, they can end up, well, I think in many cases, your volunteers are your donors as well. They may not be the big donors, but every $20 helps. We say it in honor flight. We go to events. We, wait, we, we raise 25 bucks. We're happy because it's 25 bucks we didn't have when we started a couple hours before that. And it, it all adds up. So Absolutely. you alienate experience, connections, fundraising. And, and those people who have those connections or a broad audience are going to say, I got you're treated just, like shit. Don't go volunteer. You're just, you're, just, you're just telling them exactly how you deserve to be treated. It's no different than going in and screaming at the waiter at the, at the restaurant. It's no different than any of that stuff. Yeah. Isn't it what they say? Uh, you catch more flies with honey. Something like you that. Do. <laughs> you, you, know? do. You, you do. You do. You also catch, you also catch bigger uh, waistbands with honey. Didn't poo get stuck like in the, the rabbit hole? Like, Oh, something like that. <laughs> he was always having some issues. He was. I haven't, haven't seen those for a while. My kids are a little too old now. 
Um, oh, you're never too old for mm, Winnie the Pooh. Yeah, I don't know about that. <laughs> I don't. It's not. It's not. Gonna, it's not the top of my movie watching or film watching list. Let's put it that way. Well, what is it? Uh, your your film watching list. You uh, you a Marvel guy? Actually, ironically, growing up, I was not a superhero guy at all. I did no, not care okay. about. I did not care about superhero films at all until I had yeah. kids, and they started mm-hmm. getting into it. And yeah, I'll watch just about anything. Anything Marvel. <laughs> my son does not give a rip. Neither of my kids care at all about superheroes of any variety. My kids care about they they, they care about anything that's superhero or yeah, whatever. Yeah. Right yeah. now they're into ninjas. My my oldest wants to be. <laughs> you remember those those like the three ninja movies like in the nineties? And you're like, oh yeah. Oh. <laughs> no 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 no. Like, weren't there, like, the, <laughs> the kids like kids? there were the three? No, the kid like the name of the movie was like the three ninjas. No, maybe, I I get the name, maybe, maybe I got the name of the movie wrong, but you like think you're gonna, you go back and watch some of these movies like from the 90s and you're watching, you're like, oh, like I liked that it's movie. Terrible. Like, oh, God, this is so awful. <laughs> I, I had a guy when I was in the Air Force, uh, he was one of our NCOs and he was a like, huge into like Kung Fu movie. And I'm just like, dude, I can't sit there and watch it, man. The lips aren't synced up, the moves are <laughs> terrible, there's like no special effects. Yeah, it's like yeah. it's 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 like, and he's like, Bob, that's what makes it great. And I'm like, hey, to each his own. I I don't know. Yeah, I, yeah. <laughs> I can't watch it. I was watching a show the other day. I can't remember what it was, and uh, it was supposed to be something really good. And I was like, man, the acting is terrible in this. Mm-hmm. And it was well, it was a military film, so I'm sure you're just like me and every other. Oh, yeah. You spot those inconsistencies. Like that's <laughs> not the right uniform for the period. They didn't use those weapons. They didn't have ACOGs on those in Vietnam. They didn't My have wife this. They didn't loves. Have Loves watching military movies with me. Loves oh, it. I I get so mad. I turned this movie off in like twenty minutes. Like I can't watch this. My wife's like, "What's it? Didn't seem that bad." And I'm like, "They had a fifty year old man acting like a man in Vietnam." <laughs> I'm like, "It's so out of place. Like you should have recast that to somebody else. It's terrible." Yeah. But anyway, we get yeah. going on movies forever. Um. So. This one might be one of the stumps, ones that stump you. Is there any nonprofits out there that you're seeing that are that have a ton of potential, but just haven't achieved that that notoriety, that level that they really need to, that that potential that they could be? There's tons, and the reason I say that is I talk to you about two of those a day that have the potential. But they've got no team, no support, no time, no plan, no budget, no nothing. They have a big heart, and that's it. They don't know how to run a nonprofit. They don't know how to run a business, and they don't know why they don't have any help. I talk to these, This is, and this is the reason I, I want people to do all the pre-work to see what's going on in their community. Because they just said, I'm starting this thing, and I'm going. And some of those work out, but the vast majority of those don't. Because they have never created the plan, the system, got the knowledge. Of, you don't have the budget? Fine. Listen to the Nonprofit Architect podcast. I'm everywhere. I'm the first like, 33 results in Google. Nonprofit Architect podcast. I'm on there. Okay. Get the free information. You don't like my podcast? You like the way I do it? Fine. Go to my website. There's a little tab that says the Nonprofit Podcast Network. We got six shows on there, six different nonprofit podcasts. Listen to my buddy Patrick Kirby or Jamila uh, Kemp. Let them let them speak into your life about what it is that you want to do. Find someone that you can watch. There's a reason there's more one more than one late night host. 
You know, you might like one and might not like the other. That's fine. I'm not everyone's cup of tea. Yeah, I was always a Leno guy, not a not a Letterman guy. Yeah, I was always a Letterman guy. I was like, Leno was with the chin. I don't get it. Uh, They like the cars now. Um, But everyone's got their thing and that's fine. You want to listen to me? Fine. Listen to somebody. Figure out who is your person. Listen to that person. Take advice and start taking action. Because it doesn't matter how many podcasts you listen to, how many audiobooks you read, how many courses you take at the university, if you never take action. Yeah, Travis, I know you said I need to cultivate these donors and, and do something like or actually as credit card processing so I can get monthly recurring donations. But I feel weird doing it. Great. It, feel, it does nothing. You know what you want to do, what you need to do to make something move for you, and you don't do it. Might as well have not ever learned it in the first place. Oh, I know how to read, but I don't spend any of my time reading. I don't like downloading 30 years of expert knowledge, you know, over a weekend and learn how to do something like Alan Stein Jr.'s Raise Your Game uh, and learn how to lead. I don't have time for that. Well, you might as well not know how to read. What's the, what's the advantage of, of having the skill? If you don't read, you're like, well, like, like I don't read as much as I should, but I do listen to a ton of audiobooks. But that's great, right? I listened to 60 audiobooks in 2019, 60 books, just nuts. Um, but if I never took action in any of that stuff, I might as well have read nothing because it didn't matter that I knew how to be a better leader if I didn't go be a better leader. It doesn't matter if I know what to do at the gym if I don't ever go to the gym. It doesn't matter that I know how to eat right if I never get the things I need to eat. It doesn't matter if I know how to treat my family right if I treat them like trash. It doesn't matter that I know I shouldn't go out gambling if I go. Whatever your thing is, it doesn't matter what you know. It matters what you do. I learned in a cartoon growing up that knowing is only half the battle. I am drawing a blank. What cartoon that is now? G.I. Joe. G.I. Joe. Oh, my okay, goodness. Right. Knowing is half the like, battle. G.I. Joe. Um, I, I knew it on the top of my head, but I'm just like, <laughs> why am I brain dumping this, man? I've heard that. Like, oh, that's yeah, terrible. Knowing, terrible. Knowing is half the battle. The other half is violence if you're in battle, or the other half is action if you're not in battle. You have to take action. Don't mix those up. Don't, don't, don't mix do those up. up. Yeah. Don't do <laughs> violence if you're not in, in battle. Uh, but if you don't take action... It doesn't matter what it is that you do. There's someone in our group that we know that we might see tomorrow that knows all the things they need to do, but are not taking action and they're stuck and they don't know why. And the answer is they're not taking action. Um, But the people that are out there, if you listen to any of the gurus, right? Tony Robbins is like massive action. The only way this works is with massive action. You have to actually do the thing, right? I cared about the community. I wanted to do something good. But if I didn't show up to that meeting, if I didn't take any action, it didn't matter that I knew I wanted to help the community. Right? Oh, well, I want to start a podcast. Great. Start a podcast. Well, I'm not really. It doesn't matter that you want to start a podcast if you never start a podcast. Well, I'm not sure what to do. Well, I've got a great podcast guide for you. You can pick up a 27 bucks. But yeah. figure out. You're going to learn as you go. You're going to start some of this stuff. The same with the nonprofit stuff. Like, Travis, you got me scared about all the things you say you have to do. I just want your eyes open when you're walking into it because there is a ton to do. But knowing there's a ton to do and you still want to start, start. Ask the question. Ask me. Find someone else in, in the network. Ask them what it is to do, how it is to start, and how to get moving. That's fine. Get going. And you can learn as you go, and that's fine too. Oh, yeah. I want to go to college, but I can't afford it. BS. There's a dozen free schools in America. You can join the military. They'll pay for it. 
You had a low-income family. All the Ivy League schools will cover your tuition free. They don't need your stinking money anyway. Well, I'm over in organizations would give you a loan. <laughs> but yeah, no, even without loans, even without loans. Oh yeah, totally. Rossi scholarships. There's four hundred million dollars of unused scholarship money every year in America. Well, Travis, I just don't qualify for scholarships. Really? Have you downloaded an app like Scholarly FastWeb or Scholarship.net and put in your demographics and see? How many scholarships you qualify for? Because as a 36-year-old white guy a couple of years ago, I qualified for 88 scholarships as a random white dude. Put wow. in your demographics. See what you can. Apply for that stuff. See what's out there. Get a job at Lowe's Home Depot, Boeing, Lockheed, any of the aviation companies, Starbucks, McDonald's, or any other employer like the military that pays for college for you. They pay for college. Go into these universities, ask them about their unpublished scholarships they have available and find it out. We had a gal here that I connected with a friend of mine and they care about putting head of family, single moms through college. She got a full ride to Oklahoma City University. They paid for all of everything for her EMT. She says, I want to be a paramedic. They paid for all that too. And if she wants to come back and do nursing school, they'll pay for that too. But it never would have happened unless she asked the question. Oh, you don't understand, Travis. I work 60 hours a week and I got a 45-minute commute. I just don't have time to do anything. Great. Put on a podcast. Put on a YouTube. Download audiobooks. Get one of those free library apps that you can check out audiobooks for free. Or search the audiobook on YouTube and let them talk you through it for free and listen to it during your commute to and from work. Well, oh, I mean, I can't, I, I can't do that. I, you know, I got to get my workout in. Cool. Turn off that crappy Perfect music. Turn off your crappy music from 20 years ago that no one really cares about. It doesn't enhance your life and put on an audiobook instead and learn the skills that you need to take the action you need to take. Everything that comes up in someone's life, right? Every obstacle is either a detour, is something that's going to deter you, or that's the next challenge that you need to conquer in order to get ahead in life. You decide how you look at it. You decide. You decide. I decided. You can decide. You know what? I'm going to take on that, that mountain. I'm going to do one step at a time. I can't climb out Mount Everest in a, in a day, but you know what I can do? I can get to that next base camp and I can get to that next base camp. And over time, you're eventually going to crush that mountain one step at yeah. a time. All one step at a time. You don't walk a mile without taking the first step. And it's hard. Right. It's hard to get first step. Like I'll, I'll even say, like this podcast, I was so nervous to start. You I were so nervous. <laughs> I was incredibly nervous. I was like, you what were. if this? What if this? How do I do this? How do I do that? Because I really didn't know much of anything in the beginning yeah. and just see yeah. so much growth. Um, you just got to take that first step and, and realize if you're going to do something creative like a podcast, I don't even know where I learned this, but I had heard it somewhere. Maybe it was on another podcast because I would do the same thing. Call it from me. Any, anywhere I was going, it could have been. Anywhere I was going, I was listening to a podcast. If I was sitting at mm -hmm. driving to an appointment, if I knew it was half an hour, I was putting on a half hour podcast or an hour podcast. I'll listen to half of it there, half of it on the way back, whatever. Mm -hmm. Or if I was sitting um, at the junior college when I was taking classes there before I went to University of Illinois at Springfield, where I'm at now, I was spending so much time up in the help lab and I'd be studying on stuff. And I'd just be kind of listening. Or in between class, 15 minutes before class, because, you know, yeah. if you're not 15 minutes early, you're late, right? And so I'd be sitting there at outside that classroom 15 minutes before, throwing an earbud and sit there and listen. And yeah. I didn't realize until this last year how much time 
I was used using to listen to podcasts it, and how much less everywhere. I've listened to in the last couple of years. It's chores around the house. It's walking through the grocery store. You like, if you're at the age where the music you like growing up is now in the grocery store, you don't need to hear that music again. Put in a podcast. <laughs> you're waiting at the doctor's office. You're whatever you're doing, running errands around town, working out net, net, no extra time. Things that you're doing basically on autopilot where you could be investing in the greatest place for you to invest that always is going to pay off. And that's investing in that person you see in the mirror every day. It's even listening to audiobooks and stuff. I'll, I'll, I'll give a plug to Stephen and Lane, their book, The Humble Alpha. Mm-hmm. I don't read that much. You, you said earlier, you know, you could read more. I'm the same way. I am not the kind of person that likes to kind of sit there and just read a book. I prefer to listen to it. If I got half an hour or I'm just kind of messing around on the computer, let it play. And yeah. so it took me, I think, three days, something like that, in the evenings when there wasn't stuff that needed a lot of attention. I would just kind of sit here and just listen. Mm-hmm. And they even said something in the Warrior Council one day, hey, we'd love to be on your podcast. And I was like, hey, it's great, guys. But I honestly want to listen to it a second time. I need to digest yeah. that material and figure out an action plan that I've got to take on that so that yeah. I can really formulate the right questions and really know and understand or else the questions I ask or the direction I go is just not going to be that valuable. Right. You know, because there's so I mean, much so much to it. There's so much to it. The beautiful thing about podcasts, if you really, if you go back and listen to this show or you're thinking about it, Keith didn't do a lot of work in this thing. This interview right here, he asked a couple of questions. He put it on me, the guest, to come up with all the content, which is beautiful, right? If you're in the business, if you run a nonprofit, if you are a consultant or whatever, and you're not hosting your own show, I think you're doing it wrong. Because hosting a show like this, now Keith can go to something like Headliner, and he can take every question and answer. He can take a little great quote in here. He can take a little audio clip where I go on a diatribe, and I like Keith talk for 15 minutes, where he can take that. And now he doesn't have to create content throughout the week. He can take a little chunk of all of this, these interviews that he does, and he can put it out Monday morning, Tuesday morning. He's got all of his content created. He just has to cut it up in a program like Headliner that's free. There's a paid version, right? But you can get by with a free version for a really long time. And if you host your stuff on Libsyn, Liberated Syndication, Libsyn.com, you can use their free Headliner down there. You pull up the episode, you publish, you take it, you cut it out. Boom, you post it. Now you've got something to post on social media. So you don't have to figure out what you're going to post. Well, I'm going to come up with Monday. I didn't really plan out my stuff. If you've got an episode that's coming up, you can put out previews, uh, little snippets, little clips to help people get interested in what it is you're going to be talking about. There's a lot of different things you can do. And you're (laughs) right. There's not a whole lot of work, you know, for people who, who, you know, might be interested in being on the show. I am always looking for guests. Like I said earlier, I'm kind of booked till June, but, you know, I do a pre-show interview, you know, Sometimes it's half an hour. Sometimes it's an hour. I had somebody, we talked for two hours, but mm-hmm, uh, mm-hmm. it was just, you know, casual conversation and just to get to know the person to kind of formulate some questions, right? Because I want it to be valuable and have information that veterans or military members can use and create an actionable plan and go do something, mm-hmm. right? Yeah. Or else it's just us talking and there's there's not any content or value there. Right. So we got to right. formulate some good questions. That's really it. Formulate the questions, come up with a, a title, a little mm-hmm. bit of the creative stuff behind the scenes. And very basically, that's all really all you got to do. A little bit of research on the person, come up with a website, yeah. a little bit of story. And yeah, if you're doing it live like this, you're spending like people like, oh, I don't know how to edit. I don't know how to do the backhand stuff. <laughs> Pull the bill O'Reilly, you know, screw it, we're doing it live. Do the show live, go back, download the clip. 
cut out the pieces for yourself. You don't spend any time editing the show and making the sound all right and getting all that back end stuff. If you've got the right equipment, the right headset, mic, and uh, mixer, you're going to sound great. You're going to sound professional. And that's all that really matters. Get your message out there. Get your voice heard. I heard somewhere, maybe the Bible, that faith comes by listening, right? Everything you do, something like this with a show, with a podcast, builds your credibility. Get your message out there. Yeah, you can do this on anchor.com or anchor.fm or whatever the heck it is for free. If you've got a smartphone, you have all the stuff you need. Get your show out there. Don't know what to say? Do an interview show. Ask a couple of questions. Make the guests come up with all the information. <laughs> and you look like a genius for having them on. Wow. Yeah, well, Good job, hey, Keith. Travis, Travis was a great is, guest. You said I look like a, I look like a genius. I, I hope we got at least three witnesses. <laughs> no. You look like a we're genius. All right, we're ending it right here. You know, Travis said I'm can, a genius. We're done. Show's over. You can go completely <laughs> unscripted. We know some people that are in our network that have some podcasts, and they just go completely unscripted. Mm-hmm. And then there's some people who are obviously just super hyper scripted. I've got, you know, I, I kind of formulate about six to nine questions, and I kind of stack them in in, in, a, in importance of how I want them to come out and make sure we yeah. hit certain points. Then I've got the three questions at the end that I always ask everybody. And then other than that, it's just t- you telling a little bit of your story in the beginning. That's really about it. All I got to yeah. do is hit a few buttons in here, and it makes it happen. Yeah. It's live. Content's going out there. I do take take the audio and the video and I'll listen to the audio. And if it's good, some, you know, maybe make some tweaks and I'll cut the audio off the video and then replace it and then, you know, re-upload or something like that or mm-hmm. post it somewhere else. But it's not that much. It's, it's, it's a little bit of time, a little bit of effort. You did have to learn a little bit of audio recording. Uh, thanks to, to Joel Stewart for giving us some tips on, on all that. <laughs> yeah, yeah. You know what, if you don't know anything about audio and you have to dive into something like audacity, which is free, uh, it's 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 a little bit of a learning curve. But once you figure it out, you just start rolling with it, just like anything in life. Once you start mastering something, yeah. you, you got it. So but that's a that's a really good the podcast thing because I was going to ask you how you think nonprofits can use podcasts or new platforms like Clubhouse, which is all audio based, mm-hmm. to build a following, connect with potential guests, and things like that. If you're if you're a nonprofit and you're already established and you've been out there, you have you already have an audience. You already have people following you on social media, and they want to connect with you. Think about the podcasts that you listen to, or the authors that you read, or audiobooks you do, or whoever's on TV. You want to connect with the person that's on stage that has a message, that has a show, that has a whatever, right? Uh, so you have that ability to connect with people. Every person that I bring in that I interview, I get a little bit smarter. See, what some people don't understand is I like I've got Steve Sims coming on the show, author of Blue Fishing, great guy. He's got the the speakeasy mindset, puts on world class events. I get to ask Steve without paying him any money. I'm not buying his master course. I'm not getting into it. Like I get to ask him whatever I want. So every person that I interview, I get smarter. I learn how to do things like networking, like through Stephen Coon. I get to learn how to contact celebrities like my guest, Vincent James. I get to learn about the stats behind nonprofits with Brady Josephson and, and, and. So every person I talk to in the nonprofit world, I find out where their pain points are, where I can help, what I can learn or develop to do something better. Every person I bring on the show, I learn a little bit more, something special about nonprofits or business or consultants or how to do it better, right? I'm building my own personal knowledge. And then everyone I bring on, I get a whole access to their audience. So everyone that they're going to go out and share it with, like um, Keith yesterday when our show is live or, well, it's live right now. Uh, you know, I'm going to get a YouTube link or whatever. I'm going to share that on all my stuff. 
So now I've, at, you know, being the guest, I've said, Hey, here's another show I've been on. Check out what I have to say, you know, on Keith's Battle Buddy podcast. And then everyone that's in my network now gets the chance to see me talk again about the stuff that I talk about. And also they just like, oh, man, Keith's got a good show. Maybe I would check Keith out. I heard that guy's a genius, right? You have yeah, access like to all this. That's like three times. That's like three oh, times. Wow. Not in the bad way. I'm like, yeah, yeah, good job, genius. Not, <laughs> not like that at all. Um, but you get access to networks, right? You get to learn people. All of a sudden you have this, this thing in the digital space. Well, now you've got a way to sell ads. Now you've got a way to, you have a digital thing that you own, right? Whether it's a magazine, a blog, a vlog, or a podcast where you now have a digital real estate that people can get in on. You're building an audience in a Facebook group or a LinkedIn group or wherever you have your groups at, or you get on Clubhouse. And uh, you know what? I can be a part of this. Or I know that I have something that I'm building for the whatever. You know, how do you monetize this thing? Like I've got a podcast guide that you should really get a hold of for $27. I might have mentioned it, right? That's a way for me to help monetize, a way to help uh, increase my credibility. And she's already said great words about it. It's another way for me to, to bring in the money. Like one of the biggest things that I think nonprofits are leaving on the table is they don't have swag, right? They don't have things like this great mug from Ginger and David at Really Designs. You know, <laughs> things like that. That's a, it's like everybody tonight. <laughs> well, we, well, I was just well, I was just listening to the audiobook Tribes, but I think it's by Seth Godin, uh, and he was talking about this. You know, the music industry. Uh, the record labels were just terrible to all the bands and stuff coming up because they owned the whole supply chain for lack of better words and all the recording and all the things for artists to make money. So they were, you know, really operating as indentured servants to these uh, record labels because there was no way for them to monetize on their own. And then they started getting into ticket sales and they started getting into swag sales. And when they got into merchandise sales, they were actually able to take off and do good things. And nonprofits go, well, we can't make money selling merchandise. And like really the NFL up until 2015 was a nonprofit. And they made billions every year selling you stupid jerseys, bumper stickers, baby bibs, and all this other crap. And you had no problem buying that stuff for them. Don't you want your fans to have a way to show their support for you? Yeah, they were and like, oh, that costs money. And then you go, well, not with Ginger and David. It really designs. They, <laughs> it doesn't cost you any money up front to do this stuff. Selling is not an evil word. It's not a bad thing. Everything that you own in your life, someone sold it to you and you don't hold a grudge against them. So why would you hold anyone hold a grudge against you for showing off the great stuff you have? You're leaving money on the table by not having a product, by not having a program, by not having a service, by not having swag that you can. And it's advertising. They're advertising <laughs> your, your podcast, your nonprofit, what you do every time they take a drink or they're walking yeah. through the store with a t-shirt on or a mask or sunglasses yeah. or whatever. Or you like, you know, pick out this great Absolutely. sign by Jeff Riley at Incognito Metalworks. You know, stupid yeah, fun really stuff cool. like that. I love this sign. Um, so cool. But I, wish I, had like, behind me. <laughs> <laughs> I need one of those now. Shoot. Yeah. Yeah. Well, you can. And Jeff Riley will be glad to hook you up. He's got this cool plasma laser cutter that does out. And I've got lights on my thing. Uh, that I haven't figured out how to show up really well on camera yet, but like when the camera's not on, it's really cool looking. But you know, all these things are available. And if you don't know what's available and you haven't seen and you haven't asked the question, you're just hurting you. These answers are out there. There's people that are out there that will encourage you, guide you, mentor you, lead you, teach you how to do the things you need to do to make your life better. Design what you want your life to look like, figure out what it takes to get there, and then go do it. You gotta really live your live your life by design. You gotta 
have that vision. Absolutely. Massive action. Live your life by design and go grab the bull by the horns. Or, you know, if, I don't know if people are really doing that. I wouldn't advise actually doing that. Maybe I should make a legal disclaimer. <laughs> <laughs> well, you know, on the weekend, the horns, I so. like to buy a ticket to go watch someone else grab the bull by the horns because then I'm not in danger and they are. Yeah. No, see, that yeah. wouldn't be too bad. Yeah. I would, you know, I mean, if you're crazy enough <laughs> to actually do that, yeah. I would not. I, I grew up in the country. Yeah. I would not grab a bull by the horns. <laughs> well we're we're coming up on we're coming up on like an hour 45 here yeah and you haven't awesome. asked me your same three questions you asked uh, everybody else apparently it's exactly what i was going to get into yeah yeah it's time so, geez, we gotta go i got stuff to do yep. i got dinner yeah. to eat yeah. yeah you know what me too i got big bang so, theory to watch and with uh, my masters now i can uh, take it easy I catch up on all that netflix all that netflix queue, right? <laughs> yeah. so first question what advice okay. would you give to somebody looking to get out of the military now? I know it might be an interesting question because you're my first active duty person on the show. Well, that and we already talked about it, right? We already talked about doing something for the military, something for your professional career and something for yourself. Get out there, figure out what you want to do, figure out what ski, skills you need to, to learn in order to get to do that and start developing those things. Like I paid for someone to build my website and then I had another question. And eventually I was like, I cannot wait on these people to figure some of this stuff out. I watched a couple of YouTube videos. I messed it up once completely. I had my guy go and fix it. And then all the stuff I've added since then, I've learned how to do on my own. Right. I am now able to go confidently ish to my back end of my website and put some cool things on there. I imported, we talked about the nonprofit podcast network on my page. Um, a couple of connections and a couple of questions later, I found the plugin I needed. I put that in. I watched a couple of videos. I set it up. It didn't take a while. Yeah, it took a little bit. But, you know, after three days, I had that thing up and running. And it doesn't look half bad. Those my the web developer friends out there are like, they're, they're all, like, all web developers are snobs. It's someone like, oh, Travis, this looks like garbage. You've been doing it for 20 years, man. I've been doing this thing for like six weeks. Um, so the red, random person, like, it doesn't look, doesn't look awful. But learn what you have to do. If you can't afford a podcast editing team and that's something you want to get into, there's a course on Udemy for like $11 that walks you through how to do the thing. Spend the $11 learn how to do the thing. Well, I don't know Absolutely. how to do networking or marketing or monetization. I don't have templates for all this stuff. Well, then you know, buy my guide for $27 at nonprofitarchitect.org. Check the banner below. Um, do the thing. Figure out what it is you want to do, what you need to get there, and then go do it. And you're like, well, I don't really know who to ask. Go on Facebook. Who do I know that knows how to do this cool thing that I don't know anything about? Ask people are them. really happy to give recommendations to people yes. they know, like, and trust on Facebook. Yes, they are. Hey, check out my buddy. Uh, you want to get into the real estate game? Oh, have you talked to Keith? You haven't talked to Keith. Well, let me connect you. Here's a warm connection. Uh, Keith, help uh, my buddy. Here's looking to get in the real estate game. That's it. Be a, be a good pal. Be a good battle buddy. Make that Absolutely. recommendation. Build Support your, your small businesses. <laughs> Have your pet spader neutered. Uh, connect with people. My God, networking is, is like a dirty word for enlisted people. I knew I felt the same way coming through the ranks, coming out of the trailer park. I'm like, oh, networking. It's like some dirty word. It's just people that want to do good things around other people that want to do good things. And if you say, hey, who does this thing? They're like, oh, oh, I know the guy. I know the person. I know the gal over here that takes care of this. That's all networking is. That's it. And if you go Absolutely. in and you provide value, like we talked about networking earlier, then everyone wants to recommend you 
to everybody else. If you go into networking and you say, what can you do for me? No one's going to recommend you to anybody. That's just how it is. Let's get the skills, get the network. If you need a piece of paper on your wall that says you know how to do stuff, get that thing too. Great advice. Now, just as interesting as the first question is with you being active duty, what's your advice to somebody who is looking to make the military career, looking to join? Uh, really understand what it is that you want. Like one of the reasons I joined the military is, you know, with my criminal record, my grades and my family connections, I didn't have a lot of options. You know, I wanted to have something that had the opportunities I needed because, you know, coming out of school in the nineties in a small town where, you know, your family name is like a cuss word. Uh, there wasn't a lot of opportunities. So I got into something that had the opportunities that has unlimited potential for growth. It has, um, it has money for college. I've got a paid for bachelor's and now a paid for master's thanks to the military. It was free 99, which is uh, consequently my favorite price. Yeah, uh, it's, it's free, it's for me. <laughs> it, it, it's hard to pass up, but figure out what kind of career you might be interested in. You're like, oh, military. And you immediately picture something like a uh, full metal jacket or you picture something like apocalypse now. This is not what the military is anymore. If you want to go play soldier, you can. You can join the Army of the Marine Corps and you can be a grunt. If you're looking to get into some kind of technical, I've been in aviation my whole career. I worked on ejection seats for a few years. I got into bigger airliners uh, and now I fly for a living. You can do that. <laughs> go get a ROTC scholarship, go to college, let them pay for your college up front, and then go to pilot school. All right, go to Pensacola and hang out for a couple of years, get your pilot wings, and then let them pay you to fly all over the world. Why not? Oh, yeah. Space Force. Oh, you want to be a drone pilot? I know drone pilots right now in the Air Force are getting a $250,000 signing bonus. It's 100% to owe one, two, three, and four, and 95% to owe five. You're guaranteed, dang, you're guaranteed to make O5 five and retire as, what is it, uh, Lieutenant Colonel, if you want to. And you get that to be a drone, drone pilot, you're in the cutting edge of technology. Well, so... Uh, I want to say it's $450,000 bonus to be a, a jet pilot in the air, a fighter pilot in the Air Force right now. If I didn't have a criminal record, I'd be in the Air Force. That's just how it is. Wow. <laughs> yeah. That's big money. You want to do something, a skill that's transferable? Go get into the intelligence world. Go do one tour and then get hired on at the DIA or the FBI or the DEA or any of the other three-letter agencies out there that you go work in an office and you're never really in harm's way. There's, there's tons of ways to do this thing. I've been, I've spent uh, in my 20, almost 21 years in the Navy. I spent 21 days at sea and that's just how it worked out for me. You get on an airplane that's too big for the ship. You don't go to the ship very often. Yeah. That sounds like a win-win. Yeah. I, uh, yeah. Ship life does not seem like something that would have appealed to me. That's for sure. Uh, you know, there's a lot of people that love it. I, I had a family early. All right. If you are unencumbered by those things, go get on a ship. Right. There's nothing going on at home. If you do, if you've done it right, like your bills are on automatic, you've got no problems. If you've got no girlfriend and no dog. Like you are on your own little world. The only thing that exists is that ship. There's no other problems out there. Family member gets sick or something crazy like that. But all of a sudden you haven't spent money and, and, you know, six That's weeks yeah. and you go pull into Dubai, guess what? You're going to have a good time. <laughs> yeah, you will. When I was stationed in Japan and anytime the ships would come into Yakuska, um, yeah. we, 
we we avoided certain parts of Tokyo. Let's put it that way. We we knew yeah. where the Navy guys were going to be. We oh were yeah, have some Navy guys the worst. And, the worst. And, and they were going to stir up some shit. I'll be honest. I mean, so a lot of us Air Force guys would be like, "Oh, we're just going to hang out closer to base because we know there's a couple yeah. ships that came in, and we just but, don't want to get involved in any of that crap." <laughs> and, and enjoy the the opportunity. Set yourself up for your career. Don't say things like oh, "I don't want to get promoted," you know, whatever, you know promote me and then I'll figure out how to do the job once I get paid more. Like if you've got good uh, leaders, they're going to prepare you for that. Yeah. You're going to yeah. be prepared. You're going to step. You're never going to feel prepared. Elements. You're never going to feel prepared. You, you never have will, some of the skills, right? Yeah. You got some, yeah, you got some skills. But if, you have a good team or, if you have a good team yeah. around you and you have good leadership, you're fine. They're not going to let you fail. Yeah. Yeah. That's, the, that's I big mean, if. I will say it's a big if. <laughs> <laughs> I mean, you do the, what people would like people in the civilian world have different than people in the military world is I can go in and I can break a $10 million part and they just order a new one and no big deal. It might be a big deal, but no one's getting fired. It's like they're sending me home, right? They spent no, millions of dollars way, training me. They're not sending me home. Right. No, way so, too much money. Yeah. yeah. You know, if you're young, like I went, I went from, you know, graduating high school at 17 to having no real future. And a year later I'm on an aircraft carrier launching F-18s. Uh, off the John C. Stennis, you know, you're on a multi-billion dollar um, aircraft carrier launching million dollar airplanes. Uh, I think baby horns like $44 million airplanes that you're in charge of. Like, where do you do that in the civilian world? Like you don't, no, you, you don't. just don't do that. It's not a thing. And well, now I, I fly, now I fly on, let's see, let's see how we do this here. I fly that bad boy, the E6B Mercury, which is like almost a half a billion dollar nuclear command and control aircraft. You know, what did you do? What did you get to do? What's your office look like? I don't, I don't know. Yeah, yeah, yours. Yeah, you got to, you got to play with cooler stuff. I was security forces, so we just had to carry a gun and sit there and watch it, and make sure somebody didn't do something stupid with it. Okay, if I can recommend anything, <laughs> I recommend you do not be security forces. You no, don't get no. to roll on the cruiser and have fun with guns. You just don't. You're standing at yeah. the gate or the turnstile or whatever. And you're standing guard. That is your entire life. Don't do security forces. Yeah. Because it's Travis not, just if anyone, said <laughs> that he could ruin a million dollar part and not get in trouble. I've seen people lose their entire careers over backing a police car or police truck into an aircraft. It was one strip club. Like <laughs> <laughs> I've seen people get booted out of, of security forces for doing some things on flight lines. Um, yeah. We were, we were the last stop. We were the last stop. You know, it was, yeah. it was good and bad. Just everything but uh you are the last stop um even in tech schools people get recycled from other jobs they couldn't hack those jobs where do they put them before they kick them out security forces security forces if nothing else give them a gun let them stand at a gate check an id you could you could train <laughs> if you are if it. you are security forces if you're listening to this and you're like oh man i messed up just don't be a jerk like yeah yeah don't be that don't guy. be a jerk standing at the no one no one cares that you're a jerk just don't be a jerk yeah, just don't All right. That's a good one. What else Last you got? Question. You got? Last question. What, Here we go. This is your opportunity to give a shout out to any organizations that you want to that you think are doing a oh. great job in the in the veteran space. Uh, other than the forty we just mentioned. Yeah, other than the forty we've already mentioned, or if you just want to mention it again. <laughs> <laughs> what are we talking about? We talk about Jeff Riley at Incognito Metal, Metal Works. We talked about Dave and Ginger at Really Design Stop Biz. We talked about the Warrior Council, which is a Facebook group. Forty nine bucks a month. Great people in there geniuses like Keith that's four times uh you've got access to people 
that have million dollar empires that are at every level of business that are talking and learning, divulging the secrets of the trade uh, behind the scenes and some of our closest you know, business friends and contacts in there that'll help you with, with doing anything. You've got people like Nick Valentine that's got like seven businesses, Operation and Fantasy Support. We mentioned Joel Stewart at the Veteran Franchise Initiative. You want to know about franchises, you got to get in there and talk to Joel. You've got New York with the uh, Moore Umbrella and a Moore Umbrella TV. She's got a TV show yeah, no, now, which cool. is great. You've got access to lawyers like Andy Nelson to help you get your stuff trademarked. You got great tax people. I know we're in tax season. You got Brandon Cox. You've got people that do construction like Melinda and Finger. And you've got uh, wonderful people like Tammy Moses helping uh, the hoarding solution out there. She's got her own podcast. Uh, New York has got her own podcast. I got a podcast. You got a podcast. Nick Valentine's got a podcast. The South Pole Laser <laughs> Concept guy's got a podcast. Yeah. Yeah, he's got a podcast. He's got everyone's got the guy. He does this great stuff with this uh, sweet leather work on hats. Get your logo on a hat. Uh, check out the with Southpaw's Tales from the Barstool or something yep. like that. Yep, that's what yeah, that's yeah. He's got a great show on Facebook. <laughs> he's like, he's like, check out this expert, this amazing thing, and we will spend zero time talking about any of this professional knowledge. Yeah. It's just a BS <laughs> section. Uh, it's so great. You got uh, there's just so many people. Right. There's the endless the only people. guy in the world that eat coffee. <laughs> give, Jose, give Jose a shout out, man. Oh, yeah. 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 Yo, Jose with oh, sweet yeah. coffee. See, I, it kills me because I'm not a coffee guy. Oh, I never have been. Coffee, coffee for me, coffee is icky, but I still love my Jose at third day coffee. Sagan. I guess he roasts it with mesquite, which I guess is some kind of fanciness. I don't know. I know it's mesquite, is, but coffee is kind of icky. But if you like icky coffee, in the scheme, I don't know. I'm not trying to. I'm not, <laughs> as I'm saying it, I'm like, man, this really sounds bad. Yeah, no, no it sounds bad. No, but it's really good coffee. Actually, <laughs> I got some last week for the first time, and I was really, really surprised because I was like, oh man, mesquite coffee, like, uh, you know. But it was, it was really good. It's I'm great hot, with bacon and eggs in the morning. I'm telling you. I'm, I'm a, I'm a hot chocolate guy. I drink hot chocolate, water, or bourbon. That's me. That's what I drink. People are like, oh, you don't like coffee? Like, there's a chance this is bourbon. Like, what kind of chance? <laughs> Bait, uh, don't smell it. Like, <laughs> you know if you smell it, you'll know. <laughs> if you smell it, you'll know. Uh, there, there's so many great people. And again, if you're getting an organization like the Warrior Council or you're in a Rotary Club, Lions, Masons, whatever you do, like those people in there care about the community. They're in business. They want to do good things. Those are the people that you want to be around doing good stuff. Absolutely. Well, that's all I have for questions, Travis. I really do appreciate you coming on here. I there's a ton of knowledge, not even for, not only for nonprofits, but for business people as well. I think there's a lot of nuggets of information yeah. they can pull out here and there. Your guide is great for anybody who's got a podcast, wants to grow it, or looking to create one. So, I really appreciate you appreciate being that. here. Yeah. And um, gonna go ahead and finish off with uh, my last little message that I play here. Get the video. All right, that's it for today's episode. Thanks, folks, for tuning in and uh, taking a listen to what we got, uh, how we, what we had in store for you today. Appreciate you tuning in. Uh, real quick before we leave, don't forget to go check out BattleBuddyPodcast.net. That's our website. We're trying to constantly provide as much content and valuable stuff there as possible, from financial things to VA to um, just uh, other resources that I that I can provide. So go there, check it out. And if you have any ideas, reach out to us uh, for other things we can add to the, to the website. And uh, don't forget to like and subscribe on YouTube, Facebook, Instagram. You know, go follow us on all those platforms so we can help get the message out. 
uh, as you know, the goal here with this podcast is to help people, whether that's to you know help people get a needle out of their arms and get themselves clean and back onto a productive path, uh, or or take a gun out of somebody's mouth, you know, and help them deal with those demons and and go on to live a better life, uh, or get somebody on a path to financial freedom or just bettering their life as, as a whole, right? The goal is to help our fellow vets, and that's something we should all be striving for. So help me get the message out. Be my be my battle buddies and go do that for me. Uh, last thing I've got here is uh, is for those who might be at their at the end of their, their rope and, uh, and feel like there may not be another option other than to become a statistic today. And all I got to say to you is don't. I want to be your battle buddy. You've got tons of other battle buddies out there. You know, we love and appreciate you. Uh, we do not want to lose another brother or sister today. So down at the bottom of the screen, if you're watching, I've got the National Suicide Prevention Lifeline. That number is 1-800-273-8255. So make that phone call or contact a VA, contact your pastor. I don't care. Whoever that person or entity needs to be for you, make that phone call so you can be here with us tomorrow.